This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You are looking at a remarkable idea. An idea that has intrigued and attracted and literally thrilled thousands upon thousands of men, women, and children. And you, my friends, are about to witness this idea become a reality. For this is the story of the miracle sea in the desert. The freedom of speech is being taken. Say it, sell it. Anything you practice, you'll get good at And welcome to a brand new life, to a brand new day, all the way from the wastelands of California. My name is Michael, and I am a mere figment of your imagination. I look forward to once again serve you with those sounds of salvation. First time listeners, turn on, tune in, and drop out. This is a very different kind of show, a place where you don't feel so alone. Let us chase away the light no matter what you at home choose to believe. I do admire you for your curiosity. Yeah, live and direct right now on the TuneIn Radio app. Search Ended Days and you can find the podcast version of the program. And of course, if you go to michaeldeacon.com, you can find all the information there. Now joining me here tonight is Mike Rogers. He makes his return. He will, of course, take us back to the night that would become one of the most famous UFO cases in the world. Mike has an opinion on the Phoenix Lights incident. Of course, the Phoenix Lights, that incident occurred way back in March 13th, 1997. And of course, his first appearance on the program caused tremendous debate that's still going on today. Mike received a mixed review of all the things we talked about here on his first appearance on the program. Definitely stay tuned. Then, of course, on the second half of this glorious show, Michelle Guild will be here, live and direct. She is a radio personality and the host of her show, the Welcome to My Show podcast. Please stick around for the second half. It will be another segment of the Unpopular Opinion Hour that makes its way here tonight. And, of course, for those weak of heart, take warning. Once again, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for allowing me into your hearts and into your minds. Here we are again on a night like this. And, of course, what a week it's been. I can't believe how fast time went by yet again. I'm just glad we all made it safe and sound. No one got stabbed, me too'd, or sued. I'd say it's been a pretty successful week. Now, I believe Mike is on the line. Let's bring him in. Mike, is that you? Yeah, I'm here. Amazing. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Yeah, I had some trouble right as the show was starting. Once again, there was all sorts of strange drops even before we were getting rolling here tonight. I thought the Internet might just go out right there. Wow. Well, can you hear me now? Oh, yeah, loud and clear. And I just want to thank you so much for returning back to the program. And, of course, 
the first time you were here caused all kinds of commotion. I thought we could get into that right away here. My God. Okay. Uh, in what way? In every way. I, I just want to get right into all the drama that you were hit okay. with. Yeah, let's go into that. Well, you know, I gave out, well, I don't have the same email address that I do now, but uh, I started getting a lot of stuff, uh, emails from people. And uh, most of it was positive, but a bit of it wasn't. And some of it was a little nasty even, you know. Um, it seemed to me that basically if you put it all in a nutshell, other than the other people who were positive, people who are negative seem to be in one category. They just didn't like the fact that I'm now messing with the Phoenix Lights. <laughs> they, uh, so that bothered them. Basically, what they want, they want, they want the, the the object to be piloted by ETs, you know, by ex- extraterrestrials, and, and that's all they want. They don't they don't want to hear anything else, you know. Vital facts be damned, you know. It's it's really kind of funny that way. Understood. And of course, for those out there who don't know you, you of course were there when Travis Walton was abducted, and of yep. course, that's one of the most famous and classic UFO cases that still exists to this current day, and a topic that's been debated since then, and I can't believe it, it's 2018, almost 2019, Mike, and the debate still goes on. <laughs> yeah, sure does. Did I kind of stepped out of it for a while. Travis is right in the middle of it, still right. is, but, uh, well, I, I got into the face lights because... I observed the Phoenix Lights, you know, back 21 years ago, a little over 21 years ago. And so, you know, for a long time, I just let it go because I thought, you know, the truth, I knew the truth right off the bat, but I, I didn't think it was going to go this long. And, uh, you know, I, I expected somebody else to step in and say, yeah, guess what, you know, but nobody did. Uh, I've heard a little bit of rambling about it on the net, but nobody jumped real forward to do anything. And, of course, right after the incident, I... Uh, I immediately got the records. I, you know, I, I suspected the thing was born on the wind right in, right in the beginning. Uh, um, that was pulling me right off. I mean, I'm watching this thing as it flew over and then and it goes off into the distance. And, and then I noticed that the wind is blowing on the back of my neck from the north, <laughs> which is not usual. Not in Arizona, not in March, you know. And, uh, I thought about that and I remembered what I was looking at before it got away, you know, quite ways away. And I remember seeing things that just seemed kind of strange to me, and I, I started thinking about it. Anyway, I didn't do anything about it for a long, long time. In fact, not until now. Um, I mentioned a little bit about it here and there, but, but never really got into it. And uh, I uh, in- actually introduced this uh, for the first time on your program here six weeks ago, and and that response prompted me to want to get back with you and tell you, and then things went from there. Amazing. And, of course, you were not expecting that sort of reception, and I don't blame you. Sometimes even I am often surprised who ends up listening to this very program. Yeah. You never well, know. I think most of the people, I don't think that you had a lot of listeners. Well, I don't know how many you have, but the people who are interested, who are really charged up, what, or listen to it later on. I think it was by word or something. You know, you're, you have these, these programs that people can go back and listen to whatever. And that's basically how it happened because the, even though there were a lot of emails, it was strung out over a period of weeks and Peter Davenport finally got into it. Of course, I have had a rapport with him for quite a long, I guess you call it a rapport. I had a communication with him for quite a long time. And, um, and he 
he's very upset about it. I, you know, in a way, you know, he, like I say, he's always nice, and I'm nice back to him. But there's a fire going on there. <laughs> oh yeah, I, and, I can um, see that. And, go ahead. And of course, you did send me an article that you did. Uh, write yourself, and that of course is on the website michaeldeacon.com. If you want to read it and its entirety, you can go there on the website now. Click that, and of course, I did ask you to invite Peter Davenport to be on the program. And I know Peter isn't here, and we did invite him, so he knows for a fact that we would be discussing this. And what, yeah, and I actually tried to talk him into it. I did. You? I told him it wasn't going to be an ambush, or it's just going to be a conversation no. that he could. You know, have the opportunity to say is, you know, by anything right. wanted. You know, nobody's going to be mad. Yeah, some people and, uh, think that way that they're going to get ambushed here, or I'm going to be mean to them or rude to them. But that's far from the truth. Yeah, I think he knows that. I don't know why he might call in. Who knows? He never said he wouldn't. Understood. Understood. As long as he knows that we're here and we're live and. All the numbers are in place, of course. If anyone wants to call in, please call in a little bit later. You're more than welcome to. And I'll give out that number in a few. Not yet here, of course. But, uh, Mike, I-, I do appreciate you being here, and I do appreciate that you are a skeptic. I can respect that myself since... Oh, well, I'm not a skeptic. <laughs> I've been called that a lot lately, but I'm not really. Well, you're more you're more of a realistic type of guy, I would say. Yeah, that's what I call myself. I'm... I'm I'm a believer. I'm a wholehearted believer. I'm a solid believer. But I'm also very realistic. I've been that way all my life. Understood. Uh, I'm a skeptic, but open-minded, I'd have to say. Uh-huh. And I try my best to be as rational and logical as anyone else that has to be. And I may have experienced a number of legitimate, unexplained events. However, I don't go around saying that these sort of things were 100% supernatural or extraterrestrial. I don't go around doing that sort of thing. I definitely like to question and discern through it all. Not many people do that, unfortunately, Mike. Well, you know, what happened to us in 1975 was very dramatic and and traumatic, And but it happened to seven people. There were six other guys I had to fall back on. You know, if I'd have been by myself, I'd probably be doubting my sanity. But it was so amazing. It was so dramatic that I couldn't have, couldn't have forgotten it. But they did have those other guys, and, and of course, they've been there all this time. Two of them aren't here anymore. Uh, two of them are gone, even though I'm five or six years older than any of them. But, um, you know, the ones that are still around, they're still hanging right in there. Nobody's, nobody has ever, ever just claimed this. Uh, you know, and you know, Alan Dallas, one of the ones who is gone now. He's kind of the bad guy in the in the movie. <laughs> but, uh, he he was uh, caught burglarizing back many years ago after the incident, several years after the incident, and he was interrogated and put on trial and everything else. And he admitted to everything he had ever done in his life. He held tight to this, and of course, there's never been any death bed confessions or anything. This you know this this really happened. It just I don't know any way to, other way to put it. Um, you know, if you go by a person's word, if you go by a special polygraph test, which they won't accept in court, actually, the thing about it is, is that pe- several people passing a polygraph test to the same incident, that's infallible. Yeah, it's one really strange. Is, is not necessarily going to be able to, you know, one person might be able to lie through a polygraph test, but, but not seven. Yeah, I was going to say, if this was one big prank between all of you, 
I think it would have fell through by now, obviously. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one of us, one of the guys is still around, Steve Pierce, he was offered $10,000 by Phil Klass. $10,000 to recount the story. We'll get, we'll, yeah, we'll get into that in a moment here. I, I just wanted to quickly say the whole Travis Walton experience as the title was originally given to it. It's always been one of those cases that has fascinated me the most since, of course, I watched the film Fire in the Sky growing up. And mm. that's always been the case. That's always made me question everything. That's pretty heavy. It is very heavy. And, of course, I still believe that's amazing that the T-1000 played you in the movie. <laughs> yeah, me too. You know, I I got to be pretty good friends with Robert Patrick. Right. Um, we went on tour together. We got to know each other pretty good. Was he a believer in all of this? Was he 100% certain that this happened? Well, he was after, you know, once he got with me and we talked a lot. Um, before that, he would say so on the air. You know, we, we, we did all kinds of shows together. He would back everything up. Geraldo, Good Morning America, all those things. But I don't know that he really actually solidly believed it until he had time to spend time with me. Yeah. But he did. Yeah. Amazing. Very, very interesting, of course. And did you expect the movie to receive that sort of response that it got? Well, the response that bothered me, well, the movie did give it a response, but it bothered me because, you know, Hollywood changed a few things. Things were pretty much the way they were in the movie, except for Travis's a part aboard the UFO. That was quite a bit changed. I mean, quite drastically changed, actually. Um, it had the same flavor to it, you know, basically the same things, but it was all pushed down into a nutshell, you know. It's true. He wasn't. He wasn't. Didn't, he wasn't aboard that, or didn't have any more recollection than an hour and a half or so at the most during that whole entire five days and some hours. Uh, but that part was was a lot more than what they showed in the movie. And he encountered two different types of people. And uh, the the real part, his actual story, would have been much better on the screen. I don't know why they did it like they did. Oh, okay. So you were just a little bit disappointed that Hollywood altered it. As much as they did. Yeah. That's, okay, it didn't that's alter sad. much of anything else. Everything else pretty much the way it was, but that part was altered. What, what about the scene where Travis kind of freaks out when the fat, when they had like a family get together and he sort of sits on the floor and syrup well, slowly was, goes uh, into his mouth? Con- you know, the movies tend to nutshell things. They, they take several things and they put them all together in one thing so that they can tell a story, you know? Yes. Um, Nothing actually happened that way, you know. Him sitting underneath the table, hiding, and then the syrup pouring off into his mouth like that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think happen. so. <laughs> it's so dramatic. That was just all for effect. But he didn't have any kind of freak out amongst the family. Yeah, he was pretty. He had a lot of trouble with that. Yeah, it, it'd be hard to explain everything to you. A lot of it, I did, I wasn't there for. But uh, he had yeah. an awful lot of trouble dealing with reality, dealing with everything. So. Yeah, I would expect him to have lots of issue and trouble and doubt, questioning his own insanity, basically. Yeah, well, he had us to back him up, too. You know, if he had 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 that happen to him all by himself, alone, uh, he would have doubted himself much more so. uh, Oh, I agree. Of course, it wouldn't have been as big a thing as it was. It kind of evolved into what it was. And, you know, he has us to back him up, and we've always done that. That's good that 
You definitely have backed them up. And there seems to be a call for you now. Do you want me to answer that call or do you want to wait? Oh, if you want to, go ahead. All right. Well, let's see who's calling in here. And uh, we'll bring them on. Let's see. Uh, caller. Yeah, well, yeah, oh, back. yeah. You're going to have to turn down your stream there, caller. Let's see if he's. Okay. Oh, there you are. Caller, what's going on? Did you have a question for Mr. Rogers here? Yeah, I'd like to know if the, if they really saw those, the, the, the events where they just had, uh, uh, picking drugs and stuff. So they thought they saw one thing, but really nothing happened. That's actually a fair question. Were, were you guys boozing it up at any time or doing any kind of <laughs> mind-altering drugs, Mike? No, 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 no. Nothing you know, I like was that. brought up to a strict Mormon, and I strict didn't even drink Coke. <laughs> you didn't even drink Coke? I, I no. How, how, did, how, how do you live if you don't drink Coke? Well, later on, I started drinking, ah, <laughs> started yes. drinking beer and stuff later. During well, that they, time, they, everything they, was they strict. There were a couple of bad guys on the crew. Right. Alan Dallas, uh, Steve Pierce, you know, they, you know, they were normal. Kenny Peterson and I were both strict. Uh, we didn't do anything. We didn't smoke. We didn't drink. We didn't do anything like that. Yeah, you guys and were. And Travis was pretty strict on himself, too. Yeah, you guys were straight laced. Um, caller, were you satisfied with that answer? Uh, pretty much, except for they, they didn't drink, uh, Coca-Cola. I guess they're kind of a space aliens, in my opinion. I'm just kidding about that part, but. <laughs> Yes. Uh, that's, that's it for now. So, uh, I guess I'll hang up and, and listen to the rest of the show. No problem. Thank you for the call. Really do appreciate it, my friend. Okay, thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. And, yeah, actually, you know, that's a fair question. A lot of people mm-hmm. will say, were they doing drugs? Were, were they drinking? Were, were they taking acid, eating mushrooms? You know, the list goes on. <laughs> so, I mean, it is we good didn't even know that. what most of that stuff was. Oh, I know, no doubt. I would have to say you probably didn't even know what any of that crap was. Well, I knew what a pot was. <laughs> and there was two or three guys on the on the crew that uh, used it, but not while they were working with me. I would not absolutely. I would not. In fact, I fired a guy one time because I caught him on him. He was trying to smoke it, you know, on break time. Oh, and, um, okay. I just sent him down the road. That's why he had to walk down the road to go <laughs> home. And I was pretty strict with it. Very strict. Okay. Well, I'm glad. You can't, you can't mm-hmm. work in the logging woods. You know, you, you'll get killed. Yeah, I would have to say that's probably a little too dangerous if you're going to be uh, high while you're doing that. Yeah, I certainly didn't need any lawsuits where somebody got hurt or killed, and then and they say, oh, well, you're smoking pot, huh? Well, you know, that's your fault. <laughs> yeah, it would be, and I'd be in big trouble. It would exactly. cost me money. Yes, I'm glad. And, I'm glad you didn't accept that guy there because he probably would have hurt himself, most certainly. Ah. How would he do that? Oh well, you know, you, you're you're high, and maybe you forget to put on your helmet, and the tree comes down, oh, nails you yeah. in the head. I thought you meant the collar. Oh no, the collar. He he's probably sober. <laughs> he sounded sober. Yeah, he was very dull. So I'm pre- I'm pretty sure he was sober as can be. Yep. I mean, that, well, I'm sober. <laughs> I, I meant that in a good way. Yeah, <laughs> I'm kind of up normally. I, I really am. I know you're you're actually a lot more fired up than you usually are tonight. Why well, wasn't fired? I thought I was fired up last time. Uh, well, <laughs> not dude compared to last time. Not today. I think you definitely are fired up. I think it's because of all the emails you got and right Yeah, so. it, this is getting real big response. It really is, and and uh, I'm getting it from from all sides. But you know, uh, so what? Yeah. <laughs> Facts are facts. Reality is reality. And I knew that I was going to get into this when I got into it. So That's very true. But but did you ever think you would get into it so later on in life? 
No, I really did think somebody else would come along and spill all the beans and everything else and just straighten everything out. I didn't realize it would be 21 years later. You know, it was it's with the 20th anniversary of this incident where where I really clicked. Up until then, I was willing to just let it go, uh, you know, whatever, you know. But when on the 20th anniversary, uh, Dr. Len today was on Costa Coast, and oh my gosh, I couldn't believe the things she was saying. You know, 20 years ago, she was saying this thing happened over a period of like an hour and a half to two hours. Now she's saying it was 13 hours. And she just had built it up and built it up. And now there's all kinds of things and there's lights here and there. And it's, it's happened every few months in Phoenix. They've been Phoenix lights for every few months since then. And, and it just, it's ridiculous. It's, I'm sorry. It's just ridiculous. I, I just can't, you know, there, there was one hoax, one kid who I flourished to several balloons in his backyard and let them float away. And that, of course, made the paper and all that. But it wasn't anything like what happened, you know, on, on November 15th, or uh, uh, March 13th of 97, nothing like that at all. It wasn't any comparison. And, of course, there's a place called uh, Heber. Uh Uh-huh. Well, there's a place called Heber where I'm at that's about three, four miles from here. And I have to Oh, really? Down there in California? Uh Uh-huh. And I have to tell you this. It's pretty funny. Um, Mike, I, I live out here in the desert, and there's all sorts of agriculture as well there's lots of fields and hay and if you just drive maybe three three or four miles from here there's a place called heber and Hmm. there's actually more cows than there are humans that populate (laughs) heber so dairy place yes big time and it it just smells awful every now and then out here because you could smell it once in a while yeah so anytime i see heber i think oh my god (laughs) <laughs> Terrible. Well, that's nothing like Heber where I'm from. <laughs> right. I mean, Heber, Heber from where I am right now is a, about 25, 26 miles away. But, my gosh, it smells great. It's out it's, in the forest. Yeah, it's beautiful there. Very jealous that you live so close to the forest still. I was just about, about to um, ask you, where exactly are you right now? Right now I'm in Sholo, a place called Sholo, which is about 18 miles south of uh, Snowflake. And like I said, about 26 miles uh, east of Heber, Cholo is a, is, a, is a big metropolis compared to Snowflake and Heber. It's My kind goodness. of the hub. It's a, it's, it is the White Mountain, basically. Right, right. And, of course, Mike, I, I must ask you, ever since that incident, have you ever seen anything else in the sky that was... Oh, uh, yeah. Really? You had more sightings? I, actually, I've, had, I've seen things that turned out not to be anything UFO-like. It just looked that way at first. I've seen things that were. Um, uh, let's see. Probably the most dramatic, okay, was and the latest, of course, was back in uh, 92, actually 93. I was logging up on the north rim of the Grand Canyon. Actually, um, I was living in Utah, basically, and, and driving down to, uh, down into Arizona. And while I was there at work, um, in fact, it was in the evening, and I was camping. I was, I was actually staying in a tent there close to the job. And I was sitting there by the fire by myself. I saw this thing floating across the canyon towards, towards my camp. And I was at a place called Fire Point. And it really is that. I mean, it, it looks that way in the daytime. It's, it's a great, it's a fantastic place. But, uh, this thing kept getting closer and closer. I got excited, you know, and it got closer and closer. And the next thing I know, it, it's coming right over the top of me, or at least pretty close to the top of me. And it started warping the trees 
at least visually, it was warping the trees and the ground like like in waves. And oh, it just scared the hell out of me. Uh, it didn't scare me quite as bad as 1975 because that was totally by surprise. But this thing gave me a chance to get used to it. It was took you know five minutes or so for it to get over there. And to make a long story short, after this thing went over, I started chasing it. And I chased it, you know, half the night until I got really tired. And I just sat down on a, on a hill and I noticed off in the distance this, this thing, this, it was just a, it was an orb, like 60 feet in diameter and lighted as a strange color, you know, as usual. And it was obviously not of this earth that just, you know, a lot of people say, Oh, that was a fireball. <laughs> you don't chase a fireball. Not for an hour, not for an hour and a half, you know. And I sat there and looked at this thing, and I was thinking, eh, that thing looks an awful lot like the moon. It doesn't have the features, but it looks like, you know, within a few minutes, the moon came up right behind it. <laughs> it was almost the same size, you know, just a, an apparent size, you know. Yeah. And uh, and I sat there and watched it, and I watched it for a couple of hours, and I actually went to, went to sleep right there leaning against a tree watching that. And it was just sitting above the trees. It never moved after that. I chased it for like that hour and a half and, and then got tired and sat down. And just shortly after I sat down, this thing just came to a stop and it just hovered there in the air. And the moon came up and, and the moon came up and the moon went up above it. And the moon ended up being up around 10 o'clock after a while. I just got so tired. I, you know, after all that running and everything, I was so tired. I just, I just fell asleep automatically. When I woke up, it was gone. That was the end of that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's so that pretty was wild. pretty, pretty wild. Yeah, it is. I mean, it, I didn't think you would have another uh, sighting like that. Well, it's the only one that ever has happened to me. The only thing like that's ever happened besides 1975. Right. Now, going back to the film and the reception it got, many naysayers out there, one Philip Class, of course, was on <laughs> Larry King Live, um, debunking the, the case in his mind. In his mind? Right. Well, now, a lot of people don't know this, but debunkers are not skeptics, okay? What they are is they're disinformation specialists, they're propagandists. And I, I knew that way back then, but he almost admitted to me, you know, a couple of years before he died, long after the movie and everything, in 2002, uh, I think he died in 2000, late 2002 or 2003, but I talked to him on the phone a couple of times for like an hour, and we almost became friends, almost. <laughs> almost. <laughs> you know, he still wouldn't, he still wouldn't come across with anything and he still thought I was a, you know, whatever. But I think a lot of that had to do with what he was supposed to say, what he was supposed to think. But he, but, he, but I'm certain he began to like me because he used to send me cartoons that he would draw up, you know. They were always anti-UFO stuff. <laughs> and they were kind of corny, you know. <laughs> That's kind of weird though that he would do that. Uh, you know, what the heck, you know. Anyway, and then I started pestering him by sending him Christmas cards at Christmas time. Oh, he's man. an atheist. He's a devout atheist. So you, and I was sending <laughs> deliberately with religious themes on him. Oh, wow. So basically you were trolling him. I even started sending him expensive birthday presents on his birthday. And that, he didn't really like that at all. That's so funny. And because the, the theme, the, the presents I would send him always had something to do with something to do with God or, or, or Jesus or religion or somehow, you know? Oh, that's... And it was just a pastry. It was to go with him. I love that. Because <laughs> yes. that's what he did to me. I love that sort of thing. Uh, amazing that you would do that. I'm so glad that you have that side of you, the very humorous side. Not many people yeah, have that. Yeah, I do. Sometimes people think I'm a little, a little too humorous. 
Oh, I, I think we might even have the same issue, me and you, Mike. <laughs> well, it's fun. You know, it's just fun. It really is. It sometimes, takes a lot of the boredom out of life. Exactly. See, Mike, you get it. Sometimes it's more fun to sometimes be mean than it is to be nice. Uh, well, I'm never mean. Well, that, maybe I can that's good people in a sort of a mean way. Yeah. Correct. Maybe <laughs> that's maybe that's not the very best uh, choice of word to use. But which one, goad or uh, mean? Uh, mean. Maybe I should use the word pester. There you go, pester. Yeah, that's, sometimes that's it's just what fun. I did. Yeah, yeah, I do that. Okay, good. I, I pester uh, Peter Davenport. <laughs> oh, I know. Now he's very angry with you. Well, he he was to start with. You know, the first time I had made contact with him, he, he thought, "Whoa, a UFO celebrity!" I hardly get to talk to them. <laughs> And my response was, well, wait till you get to hear what I have to say. You know, and then after that, things went downhill. Oh, and, you know, my. since then, I, I do, I do pestering, <laughs> I do pestering with him. I, I kind of taunt him a little, you know. It's just fun, yeah. you know. Well, as long as you're not harassing him every day with emails. Oh, no, no, no. You know, like once a week or something okay, or less often. Yeah, because I knew an individual in the UFO field, I won't say his name. But he was really going after Peter Robbins for whatever oh. reason. Yeah, he was really going after him. And I, I had to even tell him, I think you're maybe, you're maybe taking this a little too far by sending him mm. emails almost every day trying to uh, fight with him. That's that's not really the best way to approach no, a, a, that's, a conflict. No, that's too much. Way yeah, too much. For sure. But, of course, he got very upset with me, and that's why he's no longer on the program because he uh, just got really mad at me for even. Have you ever had Peter me. Robbins on? Yeah, of course. He's a great guy. I really like Peter. Yeah, I'm, I met him here a couple of years ago for the well, the second time I think. Yeah, he came to our our twentieth, no, our fortieth anniversary, um, which was um, yeah, three years ago. We had a big, big, big thing going on. Five hundred people were there. Nice. All all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that. Ufology, or ufology rather, is still going very strong, and I accredit that to programs like Ancient Aliens and the other UFO-related TV shows out there. It's really helped tremendously. I'm not sure if yeah. you feel that way. Well, UFOs are real. i got to tell you that. They are real. But I don't believe 90-some-odd percent of what people say. People are easily... Um, <laughs> They misperceive, and they very easily misperceive. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I did want to ask you the fact that there's so many different prominent UFO figures, very popular ones, that make the whole talk uh, circuit, that, that conference, the conference circuit, mm -hmm. basically. And, of course, Travis has been in that for a very long time. But there's other individuals that are involved in that field that I have been there when they do their speeches and I'm sitting there and it's really hard. Ooh, hit the mic there. See how mad I got. Um, it's mm -hmm. really, yeah, see, it's really hard for me to just sit there and listen to some of these speakers who I think are clearly lying, but the audience mm -hmm. is clearly eating up every single word. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I got an interesting story to tell you about that. Go ahead. Uh, back, before the turn of the century, back when it was 1998, I think, or 99, uh, I used to be on the tour. I was, I was going to all these places and we, you know, with, with Travis and, uh, most of it anyway. And we used to do this whole life expo thing. And they, they were several, you know, all over the country, all over the United States anyway. 
And uh, we had did a thing in California, and it was a regular thing. And and I volunteered to be a speaker at the you know the the main thing where all the people stand up and speak, and it's a big gathering, and just you know it's an auditorium that's usually jam packed. And uh, during that, I was looking at these guys, and I'd talk to some of them. And I think, oh my gosh, you know, how can I condone this? I can't push this forward. So I was kind of a little bit uh, negative about the basic subject. I, it's hard to explain it here, right? I, I wasn't mean. I wasn't I didn't say anything terrible, you know, but I wasn't real progressive <laughs> that way. I wasn't pushing certain things. And, uh, and so you were kind of hand, you were kind of on the panel Mike, many times before that, right? So Mike, right? you were you were kind of filtered. Yeah. Ah, okay. Well, I started speaking pretty slow. <laughs> I was taking my mm. words real pretty bad, you know. I and uh, and Travis would watch me from the back of the audience. <laughs> and he was, I could tell he was becoming agitated by what I was saying, you know. And I thought, uh, I'm, I'm probably taking it a little too far, you know. But you know, a week later, we're due to. You know, we did. We went to New York City, <laughs> the whole life expo, and I'll be darned. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't ask me to be on the panel. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's what happens when you speak out, and certain people yeah. they want to sort of proverbial. They they want to basically hold your hand. Yeah. They they really want you to hold the audience's hand. They really don't want you to say what's on your mind. And that's kind of the problem that we see here today in America, especially the fact yeah. that you really can't say what's on your mind. Well, you know something, the Phoenix lights, the is, Phoenix lights, is the very biggest thing that's been voted the biggest thing. It is It's the biggest thing that's ever happened in ufology. And I agree. It's yeah. one of the biggest mass sightings, they say. Yeah. Oh, it was even seen from you know, Nevada. Um, the thing went all the way across Arizona. It lost its lights, and people thought it took off down around uh, Casa Grande. But it was born on the wind, and it went with the wind. It went right past Tucson, about 20, 24 miles to the southeast of Tucson. It went right on down. Went, who knows where it went? It was dark, but it was born on the wind. So I know, you know, whatever happened, its, it's lights went out. They were either turned out or they, or they went out or, or they were shot out. You know, another thing that people don't know about it is the U.S. Air Force is right on its tail. Are you there? Yeah, I'm, I'm just fascinated <laughs> by it. I'm You're just listening to these pr- profound words. Huh? Yes, I'm just <laughs> absorbing, absorbing the information here. And of course, you saw this and a lot of people saw this. I myself was just a mere child when this came up on the news. And once I saw that, I remember telling my parents, telling them, I told you that E.T. was real. I clearly remember telling both my parents that once I saw that on, uh-huh. I think it might have been KTLA that might have been broadcasting that during the nighttime, if I recall correctly, way back. Well, E.T. is, is a fictional character. <laughs> like, I call him E.T. It stands for extraterrestrials, which, of course, that does do. But, uh, you know, there have been a lot of fictitious movies, but E.T. per se, you know, e- extraterrestrials, they're definitely very real. I mean. I don't, I can't imagine whatever would create that thing that we saw, a vehicle, you know, and it was, it was, um, very, very stark and very vivid. And what it did was extremely dramatic. I mean, it, it was traumatic. It was just, maybe we overreacted. Okay. But even, even if we didn't overreact, it was the most fantastic thing I've ever seen. I'm with you on that one. 
it must have been extraordinary to see this thing come out of nowhere. Oh, yeah, just suddenly. Yeah, I've never seen anything like that before. I mean, lights in the sky, whatever, you know, those aren't definite, you know. Seeing something from two or three miles away sort of looks like a UFO. Who knows? It could be a bird. could be anything. You, you know, you don't know. It was right there in front of you, 100 feet away, 80 feet away, and you can see actual details in it. You know, it looked like a brand-new Corvette. That's interesting. You know, I don't think I've ever really heard too many people describe the Corvette. Well, that's an analogy. It wasn't a Corvette. Well, of course. <laughs> it affected me the same way. Indeed, indeed. But you recall driving away once you saw what happened to Travis, correct? Once Travis was was hit by this thing, which was like an explosion, uh, really like an explosion, and blew him back. You know, the movie about it didn't make that dramatic enough. I mean, it was like a hand grenade going off, and um, it blew him backwards. And he blew, and he, and he going backwards, he was limp, like like he'd been knocked out on the impact. He might have been knocked out by it. Yes. Yeah, probably was. And he hit the back, his back on the ground, you know, some distance away, and he didn't make any attempt to catch his fall. <laughs> he just hit the ground and bounced, you know. And about two or three seconds later, I hit the gas. And I was down that road in a flash. <laughs> I don't blame you for driving off like that. I wasn't driving off. It was peeling out and racing away. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I can imagine your heart must have been racing. Oh, man. You know, you, you heard the term white knuckle scared? Of course, yeah. <laughs> well... That's a good analogy. I would have to imagine that is fairly accurate. And, of course, you drove back for Travis. Yeah, a little while later. We we argued about it. I stopped up the road. I don't know what it was, a quarter of a mile away. And um, I stopped because it didn't look to be following us. I got out of the truck, and it and, and it, it appeared to streak away. You know, even a quarter of a mile away, I could still see these glimmers of light through the trees. And all of a sudden, it's took off, not straight up. It was more of an angle, like almost flat with the earth. But it, it went very quickly and very quickly away. And, of course, the trees are so tall and everything that I couldn't see it for very long. But at that point, I was pretty much certain that it, that it was gone. And I was trying to tell those guys, you know, I don't know how many of them saw it, but uh, we were all arguing among, amongst ourselves. I finally just ended up by saying, you know, I'm going back. You know, I got to go back. We left Travis there. We, we have to go back. And and so I got in the truck, and lo and behold, they all got back in the truck, too. <laughs> Which, of course, the movie didn't display. The, the movies had them all stand, stand out in the cold, you know. And nonsense. I just don't understand why they did. That was the biggest departure of, of our part of the movie. Like I said, Travis's part was changed quite a bit that way, but our part was pretty much realistic, except for that particular part. You know, everybody went back. And when we got back, I couldn't find him. And uh, we... We knew exactly where we were. The thing was gone, and there wasn't any trace of Travis or anything else. I remember declaring. I mean, that, that was pretty exact. It wasn't that far away. It was a quarter mile back. By the way, uh, Mike. And, I, by the way, Mike. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but do you think that you should have stayed instead of um, driving off? In your opinion, well, I should have stayed. Sure, but who who would stay? Well, definitely not me. <laughs> I can't imagine anybody staying. I would have driven off. I have to be honest. Well, I had guys in the truck screaming at me. Get the hell out of here, you know? Yeah. And I, I can tell by the looks on their faces, they didn't want to be there. I'm really putting myself in this while you're talking. That's why I'm not responding right away if, if I get quiet. 
I'm just oh. really picturing this in my head, thinking, God mm-hmm. damn, you must have been scared. Oh, man. Worse than that. Oh, Horrified. My goodness. Yeah, that that is dramatic and very frightening, of course. <laughs> yeah. Especially not a bad dream. Uh, worse than a bad dream. It was, it was like a nightmare where you're living for real. Everything is too real. You don't want it to be that real. Right. And, Mike, speaking of dreams, did you ever have reoccurring nightmares, per se, of this incident, of watching Travis go back like he was hit with an explosion almost? Did any of that ever come to you in any sort of dream? No, it didn't. Um, I had dreams of UFOs, you know, menacing me. Uh, you know, like I had a dream where I went outside my house, which was at the time was in Snowflake, and uh, dreamed that I went outside in the backyard and there was this UFO up there that looked like the one we saw, and it scared me so bad I ran in, and it scared me so bad I woke up. You know, I had that dream. And I can't remember if I had that once or twice, but I never had dreams of being out. You know, what happened to us out in the woods was so traumatic. It's something that your mind doesn't even want to dream about. You don't want to think about it, even though you remember it exactly. Uh, you don't want to dream about it. You don't like to occupy your mind with it. You like to be off somewhere else. You, you want to be doing other things. You want to think other things. It's kind of like having somebody very close to you die. You know, you have to deal with it. It's very real. You have to deal with it. But you don't want to think about it. Right. You certainly don't want to dwell on it. Yeah, of course. I I don't blame you for any of this. And, of course, when was the last time you talked to Travis? Oh, it's been a couple of months ago. He came to a – my brother came up from Mexico with his wife and some of his kids. And we we all got together, and, and he was there. And we, him and I seemed to, spend most, my brother, I hadn't seen him in like a year. And, um, I spent most of my time talking to Travis instead of visiting with my brother, but, you know. So, okay. Uh, so Travis and I get along pretty good when we're, we're together. Understood, understood. And going back to your folks and your family, how was their reception towards the event? Well, kind of like everybody else in the town. They didn't know what to think of it at first because most people have heard about it by some other method. They didn't hear it from me or from any of us until like a day or two later. Um, we were too busy involved in what we were doing <laughs> to go visiting people. And my mom and dad didn't hear about it for, I guess it was a couple of days. So they had, they heard it all, but they definitely heard it like through the grapevine, through the, through their neighbors, through the TV actually. Oh, man, so they actually found out about this through the media. It wasn't exactly through you. Right. Wow. Yeah, when they when I did talk to them, of course, I had to tell them, every, you know, my side and the whole thing. A lot of the media wasn't exactly positive. A lot of it was skifty. They would state the facts, sort of, <laughs> not entirely. But they uh, they didn't, you know, it wasn't the personal story. So my dad especially, you know, he, he kind of grilled me and... uh you know, what's funny about my dad is that he's always been a hard-nosed uh, realist. And uh, I don't think he ever truly believed it. <laughs> I mean, he did. He didn't ever say that he didn't. But I could just tell by the way he talked, he's kind of hanging back, you know. That's all right. I expected that. That's the way I was. That's, I told him, you know, what, what would you do if it happened to you? If that exact same thing happened to you, how would you feel? What, what would happen? Interesting. Uh, but did he believe you? Well, he believed me, yeah. Uh, I see. I mean, 
I'm just saying, you know, I could tell that there's something back behind, you know, the words, you know, the unspoken word, the unspoken truth. Maybe he did believe me. I don't know. It just seemed like he didn't 100%. He said he did, but I, I didn't. I didn't believe it. <laughs> you didn't believe him. Uh, so he thought you were probably crazy. No, he knew I wasn't crazy. <laughs> he knows that I'm a realist. I've been that way all my life. I mean, I work people that have dealt with the land, you know, logging and horseback riding and hunting and, you know, we're, we're not city people and we're not only, we're not only farm people or, or woods people, you know, we don't really even get into the city. I, I haven't been. To, the Phoenix very many times. I mean, I've been quite a few times. It depends how you look at it. But we, I spent most of my time not even in town, you know, not even in a snowflake or anywhere. It's always been out in the woods. And when we weren't logging or cutting trees or whatever, you know, we're busy out in the woods, out in, out in the woods, out in the wildlife doing things, hunting, fishing, uh, hiking, you know, cutting firewood. And, uh, that tends to make you know what is and what isn't real. It really does. And by the way, Mike, this is a little random here, but speaking so much of the forest and how you're out there in the woods and all that, what about Bigfoot? Where do you lay on all that? Never seen Bigfoot. I have a friend uh, who said that one time he was driving down the road with his dad and saw what looked like Bigfoot stand there. Scared him so bad he didn't, you know, stand right by the road. He said uh, he was too scared to even tell his dad about it and didn't want to tell his dad because his dad is a realist, you know. Yeah, he probably you know, I, I don't like give that. out his name, of course. I see. But uh, he did, and that was out real close to where we were working. I mean, it was at a different time and all, but um, that's, you know, that's the closest I ever heard or seen of that. I don't know what they are. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know what they are. Bigfoot seems to be one of those things that I get brought up when talking about UFO sightings, for some odd reason, they seem to show up. According to some individuals out there, I'm not exactly sure personally where I stand on the whole topic of Bigfoot. Well, I basically don't believe it. Um, I'm too much of a realist to, to just say, yeah, yeah, I'm sure, you know, no. I, I'm, I'm extremely skeptical of that. Understood. But, and uh, I, I have to give my skepticism credit uh, every now and then here. Because I really am naturally a skeptic. I don't exactly believe everything that is said on this program for those who are wondering. But the truth is, reality shows that Search for Bigfoot really, I think, have done no sort of good for the (laughs) subject whatsoever. I have to be honest with you, especially the ghost hunting shows as well. Well, you know, that thing about i can't remember the names but the guy that actually made a suit and is the one that was in the movie the one best evidence they have of it and of course believers just don't believe that they don't want to believe it they give it every other excuse they can it's kind of like people who don't believe the phoenix lights was born on the wind even though the wind was blowing that way and they have all this documentation from the national weather service national oceanic and uh, atmospheric association a lot, you know, all that documentation that's existed for 21 years, and it's, it is what it is, and you can't refute it. And it happens to be right on top of everybody's idea where it went, even the skeptics. You know, uh, Tony, Gar- Tony Ortega has written a piece, a skeptical piece. Well, it's not really a skeptical <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, he, he says that it was airplanes. But regardless, he verifies the actual route 
which is right, you know, exactly the people's route. You know, thousands of witnesses. And D- Peter Davenport put together this map. Uh, he's called it the UFO map. And he says that there were several different UFOs, several different ty- you know, they're all triangles, but <laughs> several different types of triangles, you know, came down across Arizona. And except for a, a couple of flights of fancy off in some other direction that were obviously somebody's idea, I don't know if it's exaggeration or just misperception, but, you know, the core path, 99% of the people that said it, which way it went, it all makes a path, and that path is exactly what Tony Ortega has verified. So the skeptics and the believers have a path. And the wind, all the wind, every, everything about it, both ground wind and high atmosphere wind, medium atmosphere wind, it's all exactly on the line. Absolutely. And I've taken it one step further. I say, now, okay, there's inexactness. There's human inexactness. Mine, Davenport's, the National Weather Service, whoever they were, who actually, you know, because this alignment is partly hand-drawn, partly. And that's human inexactness. But according to the laws of physics, it's not close. It's exact. Because the exact path of the wind, the intricate path of the wind, is the very thing that created the intricate curving path of the objects. Yes, and for those who want to read more about all these sort of things, you can go to my website right now, michaeldeacon.com, and you can click on Mike Rogers, his name there, and you'll see an article by him on the Phoenix Lights. And, of course, Mike, you wrote a very good article here. Thank you. Yeah, very good. And I have to say, have there been any other UFO figures, prominent figures that have approached you uh, about some of the things that we talked about? Or is it just, just, uh, Davenport? Yeah. Yeah, there's been one. Um, but I don't want to mention his name. Yeah. Um, see, I think I, I think I know exactly who it is, but I, I won't say his name, but that doesn't surprise mm-hmm. me. I, I think I know exactly okay. who that is. Now, I'll say Peter Davenport's name because he's a public figure anyway. Right. And this other guy I'm talking about probably is that I have, don't have permission to use the name, and if I don't have trade permission, I, I won't. Understood. But, it's uh, fine. He don't like it. <laughs> he doesn't like it. <laughs> you know, the thing of it is, just like with Peter Davenport, I said, well, what is it? Come on. What is it? What's wrong with this? You have two paths exactly the same that compile separately, two separate things, two separate events. And then magically, I don't know why, why me? So I'm the one that knows and saw it and put it together, and I've done a lot of illustrations for it. And I've, I've, this map that Peter Davenport came out with, you know, the UFO map, I've used that as the basis for, for this thing. And I placed the wind right on top of it, right on top of the map. And it's precise to exactly what the weather maps say, what the ground maps say, what the high atmosphere maps say, right straight in line. It's just absolute. What do they say to that? Well, they always hum and haw. They go around it because they just don't want to directly deal with it. Because if you directly deal with it, then you know that's exactly what happened. My (laughs) goodness. And, of course, you take such a very strong opinion on this. Do any of them try to throw it back on you and use the whole Travis Walton case against you? That is part of the reason it took 21 years for me to get to it. There we go. Back at the time, back at the time that I saw the Phoenix Lights object, I was on a hilltop in, n- near Prescott, Arizona, and 
I went there to visit a friend. I couldn't find anyone home, so I went up on this hilltop because I wanted to get video of the Hillbop Comet. I figured up in the high air there and, you know, up in the crystal, out of the light pollution and everything, you couldn't even see the city of Prescott from where I was at. And uh, it was very hard because the Hillbop Comet was very dim, and so I was having a lot of trouble with it. Lo and behold, I saw these lights from it. By the way, they didn't come up from the horizon. They didn't come from the horizon. They came up from the ground. Speaking of the ground. By the way, speaking and of in all uh, these years, I have found that there's nobody, nobody can verify that it came from Nevada except a very small handful. Two people I found in Bullhead City that never even called Davenport. And a couple of other people that did. Just a small handful of people. And they all say the same thing. It was, it zoomed away and it wasn't going slow like people in Phoenix said. They zoomed, you know, the people in, in Boulder City said it, it, it rocketed away. It, it uh, jetted away at tremendous speed towards the mountains of Arizona. Right. And you know, the thing of it is with, with perception, seeing something like that, well, that's great, except that they're the only ones that ever saw it. And if it came from the northwest, like like because it was going southeast, he, one person in Henderson said that he it came from the northwest. Well, I don't know if that's because he's just saying it had to because he saw it going southeast. Nobody in Las Vegas. In fact, nobody else in the entire state of Nevada ever saw the daggum thing except this very small handful of people. And they didn't see it flying overhead. They saw it flying away towards the southeast. And perception, according to the laws of physics, is not physically existent. It exists within the mind, but ambiguous. Understood. So you rule out the eyewitness testimony of the individuals who saw No, the I don't rule it out. You don't rule it they, out. They absolutely did see what they saw. I, I talked to two people, I said, in Wolfhead City myself, and they they were very absolute about it. What they, you know, and I, I tried to explain this, and I finally came up with this thing. I call it virtual perception. This thing was so huge when it was over in the mountains, when it came up out of nowhere in the mountains. I don't know where it came from, but it was man-made. I mean, that's, anybody could put that together by now. Anybody believes this? <laughs> it was man-made. I don't know who did it. I don't know how it was done. You know, maybe the Air Force did it. I don't know. I don't know who or how. Because it was a third of a mile wide. Benport insists that it was anywhere from the size of a 747 to eight miles wide, which is silly. <laughs> I hear things like <laughs> that. Uh, the conversation we had with him. Right. I hear people claim that it was the size of a football field and it was slowly going over the neighborhood very low. Yeah, that's, that was all in Phoenix. That's what people have claimed. So you do believe that that incident did happen then? Oh, definitely. Definitely, okay. I saw it myself. Just, I got a real close view. Just clearing it up for those thing, out there. For me, came up from the ground, not the horizon, but from the ground, uh, you know, five miles or so north northeast of Prescott, and it came up, and it went kind of to the east of me, and, and it was gaining altitude. It, you know, when it came by me, it wasn't right over the top of me, but when it came by me, I couldn't have been more than a thousand feet away from it. And, and the lighter sky behind, because there was, there was still a tinge of twilight in the, in the sky, you know? And of course the stars, you know, there's no such thing as a completely black sky. It doesn't exist. It's dark blue. And when you have something come up close like that, you can see the structure. I saw a vivid structure. The lights were connected and they were connected mostly from the light to the light like that. But there was still a solid, or I should say, semi-transparent area connecting, the, you know, creating a, a triangle altogether. 
And uh, I could see it vividly, very vividly. I was way up there in very crisp mountain air. And the sky behind accentuated, accentuated the structure. So I know there was a structure there. And I talk about that in that article I wrote. But, you know, it was it was extremely vivid. So you darn right, I believe it. But I also believe it was born on the wind. I believe it was carried by the wind. It was lifted by lighter than air gas or something. And it was huge. And it's very hard to imagine something that big actually being a big balloon or lifted by balloons of some kind. But it, but it was because it was carried on the wind. And this was... And I, saw that, I saw that it didn't come from the horizon. It came from the ground. And in your opinion, this was 100% man-made, not extraterrestrial. I'm not absolutely certain about that. I can't see anything that I don't absolutely know. I can tell you exactly what I saw, exactly. And I, and I have full belief in that, of course. And not just belief, it's just something I know. I mean, I'll tell it straight out. But whether or not it was extraterrestrial, I don't know. The only way it could be extraterrestrial in my mind is if extraterrestrials came from way, way far away, rocking across space, you know, speed of light, whatever. And then they got to Earth, and they just decided to kick back and float in the stream. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you on that one. It, it does seem kind of odd why exactly they would just come here and do a little slow cruise like that. Yeah, yeah, it, it would it, very strange. But the thing that it, and I'm not the only one that saw it come up from the ground. Day. I talked to a lot of people after after that happened the, the next day and the next couple of days, and uh, I met a, an old Navajo guy who thought it was a, a ghost coming to get him. He said it came up out of the ground. Oh wow! <laughs> he thought it was a ghost. Yeah, he thought it was. A, he called it a city. I said, yeah, it was a size of a city. He said, <laughs> no, <Strange>. no, no, <laughs> some word you know that means ghost or something in, in Navajo. And he said he said it was. He thought it was coming to get him. He was pretty old at the time. He was, I don't know, 60-something. He thought it was coming to get him. He was very excited about it. Yeah. And, uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. He uh, he thought he thought that he was going to die. And then, you know, and I just found him because he was he was looking kind of upset, and I could kind of tell by looking at him that something was bothering him. And I started asking him about it. And I said, did you see that thing last night? Said, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he told, told me all about it. He was freaked out. Oh, yeah, he was. And, of course, we are talking about the 1997 incident, which I believe, in my opinion, was such a great year for ufology. You, of course, had the Hellbop Comet and, of course, the Heaven's Gate incident. Oh, yeah. So all well, of I don't this think was, that was a great, well, I don't think that was a great year. <laughs> Not for that, anyway. Well, in my sick mind, it was a great year. And I think there is so much going on in 1997. It's it's tremendous, really, of course. And you were out there wanting to see the comet yourself. Yeah, but I didn't want to commit suicide. <laughs> well, of course not, yeah. Don't want to do that. I didn't belong to a cult. I was just out there by myself trying to get Thank a video. God. Couldn't really get it. Yes. I got some weird pictures of the, of the thing, you know. Mm -hmm. Had to enhance them tremendously on the computer. I, I couldn't even do that until a, a couple of years ago. But, but you know, it's... it's what I've come up with is, is, is so enhanced, so computer enhanced, you can't call it a photograph. You can't call it, what is it? it was video anyway, but you can't call it that because it was just too enhanced. It took me a long time to get it done. And I had to manipulate a few things, you know, hand manipulate a few things to even get a, a clear, decent image. But anyway, that's where it came from. But, you know. Understood. And of course, it's, it's fascinating that your painting on this has caused the 
I guess you could say uh, a bit of a, hmm, hmm. what could we say? It's yeah. been a landslide. Yeah, it's caused a row, that's for sure. It really has. And I'm I amazed. a place that wants to put it, a newspaper that wants to print that article and Boy, howdy, after that, I don't know, that's kind of scary now. I really want you to put that article up, especially since you mentioned the program. Uh, I could use the press. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I didn't think about that, but yeah, that, that'll work. Hell yeah, definitely put the put the show up there, definitely make sure you spell the name correctly. And that makes me further ask you, Mike, why exactly did you reach out to me? Because I heard something out of the corner of my ear from coast to coast. I, I was walking back in my office. And, I, and the radio was on, and it was coast to coast, and I heard something. I don't even know how I got there. I didn't hear the beginning of it. But uh, I believe it was you saying that um, the Phoenix Lights were not exactly what they should be, what they've been said to be. Something wrong with it. And that's what spurred me. Understood. Well, I do appreciate the fact that you did reach out to me, though. That is well, very good. And that's why. That's why I reached out. Basically, uh, I didn't really know anything about you. You seem to have a pretty prestigious show. When I when I got looking on your site and I know some Michael Shermer and John Lear and people like that have been on here, I thought, wow, this has got to be a pretty good show. I didn't really know anything else. But I knew that much, and that was enough. Amazing. I'm so glad that you did reach out to me, however, since this is a, a very different kind of show, very a, a very different show compared to the rest out there that do a show like this. I, I definitely don't listen Two other shows that are in this field, not because I dislike them, but because I definitely want to have my own original take on things. Yeah, you want, don't want to be tainted too much by that. Exactly. That's the whole thing. I, I don't Originality. want... Originality. Word. I definitely don't want to get influenced in a way that I won't even notice. And I mm-hmm. say that because I listen to a lot of comedy shows... That are so, there's so <laughs> well, much. You might appreciate what I say. <laughs> <laughs> right. So in that sense, I'm completely removed from the type of demographic that would occasionally host a show like this. Far different from yeah. those people. But you've got a good voice for it and a good attitude. Oh, thank you very much, my friend. And you sound great as well. I, I think you would sound even better if you had a proper microphone and you weren't using your phone, but even yeah. While you're using your phone, you, you still do have a great voice. Huh. Well, uh, the truth is that back a few years ago, I, I used to do some commercial work, announcing, but for commercials, you know. I never knew that. You didn't know that well. <laughs> Somebody says, hey, I'd like you to do this, you know. Can you can you go, hey, I go, hey, how you doing? <laughs> yeah, so you get paid by just simply talking, and that's always the best route in life. Yeah. Getting paid yeah, for doing a little. It. I got paid a little for it. Yeah, see, you made some money out there. Not very much. No, not a lot. But a little bit, which is always fantastic. And speaking of films and extraterrestrials, it seems like there really hasn't been too many good movies on the subject. Would you agree with that? Yeah, there's been a whole lot of these um B-rated, C-rated, whatever. <laughs> you know, but yes. um, not anything major. In fact, uh, when... Fire in the Sky was made with an all-star cast, totally all-star, like seven stars individually for their own. It was a big-budget film, and, and it did pretty well. But I haven't seen anything that big since, and certainly not that well-made. I mean, there was Independence Day, the second one, but, I mean, really, that movie was kind of trash. Well, that wasn't about a real thing. That was all fictitious. Correct. But in terms of being entertaining and telling a good story, 
I still think that movie was garbage. The first one, in my opinion, was so much better. Which one is that? Oh, the first Independence Day. Oh, okay. I thought it was a little bit better. Yeah, there's been a, there's, well, there's been a lot of fiction movies. Yeah, I'm, I'm not talking about fiction. I'm talking about big budget movies about an actual incident that's been proven and been become famous by itself. Um, I haven't seen any of those. You know, Communion. But that was a TV movie. Correct. There really hasn't been too many. And if I recall correctly, a few years ago, they were supposed to make a movie on Betty and Barney Hill. I haven't seen it. But yeah, I don't, I don't think it ever came to fruition. Um, there were all sorts of rumors going around that this was in the works. It was under production and I haven't heard anything else ever since. Well, they did make a TV movie about Betty and Barney Hill way back right after that, not too long after it happened. Um, I haven't heard anything about anything since. I, I've heard rumors like you, but nothing definite. I've certainly never seen anything, not even a TV movie. The the movie Signs was actually pretty good with uh, Mel Gibson there. Which one? Uh, Signs, but of course... Yeah, that, Signs, yeah, that was a good movie. It wasn't based on a true story, but it was still a damn good film. Yeah, well, I say there's been a lot of good, actually good movies that, that are fiction. Yeah, um, but not... Purely fiction or 90% right. fiction. Uh, been a lot of them. But not the real deal, I, not the real McCoy. No. And in fact, a fire in the sky was only about, you know, 85 or so percent real. Hollywood just can't leave things alone. They can't, they just can't seem to, everybody wants to fight for originality. You know, I heard one rumor, one, one of the producers, which there were several, about six of them, said that, well, we don't want to do that because it wasn't original. <laughs> well, when you're doing a real thing, you're not talking about originality. You're talking yeah, about the real thing. That's right. You know. And he said, "Well, they've been, they've had beer commercials about that with those aliens." You know? Well, so what? <laughs> and that's and that's they wanted to change it. They did change it. Right. They changed practically everything about Travis's, you know, part of the incident. Very interesting. The rest of it was pretty close, you know, but that was changed a lot. I just couldn't see it. I couldn't see it. And a couple of people got mad at me about that. You know, I don't care. I'm a realist. You know, damn it. UFOs are real. They're real. The fictitious stuff really bothers me, really bothers me bad. Understood. People were saying things that happened. They, they, they push it. They push it. They do all this stuff for it. How many of them have taken lie detector tests? Probably not many. Not very many at all. And how many have had several people involved who, who took a lie detector on the same thing and a top-rated examiner? By the way, the Especially last... Especially one that is sponsored by a skeptic. The last time I a heard... A legitimate skeptic. Right. The last time I heard Travis Walton take a test was back in 20, uh, 2012, if I recall correctly. And he passed, with, he passed with flying colors, if I recall. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, he's taken five or six or something... And and he's he's passed all of them but one. The only one he didn't pass, which was like the second one he ever took, was was put put on or, or he had an examiner that was definitely a disbeliever, and that can affect. Now you want an examiner that has no conception, or if he does, he's he's a skeptic, and then he turned believer. This uh, Cy Gilson that tested us right after the incident, uh, even before Travis was returned, and we took it down there, and he was came up from Phoenix, you know, and he was definitely a disbeliever. He became a believer. <laughs> I he didn't even want to tell us that we had all passed. He just didn't want to tell us that. And I had to push him into it. I had to, you know, you got to tell us something. 
And so he finally broke loose with it. He, he wasn't going to. He says, well, I've got to get these, these, these checked out by another examiner. I've got, you know, I says, well, what does it look like? Said, well, i got to say, all except for Dallas, you all passed. And Dallas was inconclusive. That means he had to explain that. Right. I recall you saying that the first time we talked. Very interesting stuff, of course. And I have to say, when you first saw Travis for the very first time after the incident, did you tell him, you know, in a quiet way, so what happened? Yes, I did. Are you ribbing us? Uh, he wouldn't say a whole lot. I mean, he said what he did say with earnestness, but he didn't want to talk a whole lot about it. He wanted to be normal. He wanted to talk about normal. He kept asking me about Dana, my sister, and he kept asking me about things up on the hill. Because at the time he was in the valley of his brother's house and he, and he, and he wanted to talk, you know, I kept trying to push him about this, you know, what the incident, but he would say a little bit and then he'd go back to asking me questions and, and talking about, you know, the mountain, which I understood and, you know, yeah. so I didn't push things real hard. I understand. He definitely didn't want to really get into it with you on the subject because of the traumatic experience. Right. He'd already been hectored with it too much, already too much. Um, he had already told the story over and over and over. Uh, Sheriff Gillespie even came down to Phoenix. He was, doing, he was there before I did. He was there the day before. And he grilled him, and the brother grilled him, and the news people grilled him. And, he was, you know, he was just jaded. He was becoming jaded. He, he, he didn't want that anymore. It was real, weird enough as it was, you know. Traumatic thing for him, very traumatic, even more so than it was for us. Right. And, of course, he had all those people telling him that he's a liar, that he killed, or that he killed, that you guys killed him. So, I mean, all sorts of drama was going on between you guys on both well, sides. He, they told him about the lie detector test, uh, that the, they had suspected it was a murder, but no, nobody told him anything. Actually, he didn't say You hear a whole lot about that. That's funny. Uh, <laughs> that is funny. I'm sure his reaction... Um, I'm sure it wasn't exactly the most comical, but I'm, I'm sure he thought that might have been a little funny. He never told a single joke during that time. Oh, no. He never even laughed that I remember. Oh, wow. Yeah, he was just, he was trying to cope. Yeah, poor guy. Yeah, I felt sorry for him. Imagine if that was you, Mike. Ah, I felt sorry for me. <laughs> I know, right? My God. That is a very wild experience to have in life. And, of course, you never really had anything of that nature ever happen again, thank, thankfully. Never not had experience that nature, that again. no. Had a couple of weird things happen, but nothing like that. Understood, understood. My goodness. So, of course, what exactly are you up to nowadays, Mike? Well, I retired here about a year ago, a year and a half ago. Kind of retired. So just, um, yeah, enjoying life uh, then. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I, I have a granddaughter. Uh, the only, I've got a lot of grandsons. That's the only granddaughter I have, and she's kind of the light of my life, you know. Ah, uh, do they know and about? Do they know about you, Mike? About the story? Vaguely. Ah, okay. I'm I'm very <laughs> curious now how that story would come up because I know eventually they're they're going to have to ask you. Well, my granddaughter here, she's seven now, but when she was six, uh, we were watching uh, a TV thing. Um, it was called The Abduction. It was done by, it was on uh, the, the Sci-Fi channel, done by an English uh, outfit that came here and interviewed us and everything. But uh, they put together a, a docu docudrama. It was mostly drama pretty well. It was really good. It stuck closer to the truth than, than the movie Fire in the Sky did. 
And she was watching that. Ah. She started watching it. And then after a while, she says, what's this about? <laughs> there we go. And she didn't even know. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that eventually things are going to connect for her, and she'll definitely ask you about that, especially with yeah. how, especially with how, yeah, especially with how the media is nowadays with, with the whole interest in UFOs. Yeah, you know, that's a funny thing because I refuse to have regular TV. I won't even let it be hooked up. You're against TV, Mike? Yes. I'm kind of with you on that one. I don't want to watch TV. I have a, a very large library of about six, between six and seven hundred titles, movies. So you're definitely, everything that's ever come out. Definitely a, any decent. <laughs> right. You're definitely a movie guy. Definitely not a television fan whatsoever. And I don't blame you. The TV has caused more harm than good for this nation, in my opinion. Well, I especially don't like CNN, and CNBC. <laughs> I don't. I don't believe a person hears much truth any there at all. Well, the C- uh, you know, CNN it's not political. CNN it's is a, awful. Say that again. CNN is awful, though. I wouldn't know. I haven't watched in a long time. I just know that it. Is. That's what has been said. Because okay. I don't. I don't watch Fox Network either. I just don't watch anything. Well, none of those networks are any good, in my opinion. No, the, you know. News has changed an awful lot in the last 15, 20 years. It's just you don't get the news anymore. You, you get these strange, made-up versions of the of the news. Right. Definitely. All and that's, you get. That's another so thing. Point. That's another thing I did want to ask you was in terms of society and how you see things going in the next five years here in America. Any opinion on that, Mike? Well, I think the economy is. Always moving up. Even during Obama, I think things were getting better, but they're getting a whole lot better with Trump, even though he's kind of a strange guy. Um, you know, America's getting better. I a hope. little strange. I hope. Uh, Michael, a little strange. He eats steak with with uh, ketchup, and I love ketchup. <laughs> Again, about ketchup, I didn't catch that. Oh, I said Trump eats his steak with ketchup. Oh, and I love I ketchup. Yeah, I love ketchup, but how can you eat steak with ketchup on it? It makes no sense to me. Well, not ketchup. <laughs> I use a little Worcester once in a while. <laughs> My goodness, definitely. But yeah, you know, I don't exactly hate Donald Trump. Not, not I don't really hate any of these people because I don't I really can you hate anybody. Yeah, I don't really hate these people. They're 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 the product of society's opinion. Right. They're basically just talking heads. Yeah. Both left and the right basically play for the same corrupted team. In my personal opinion, I don't belong to any political parties. I have to be completely transparent with you. I definitely am bipartisan, and I will go after every political party and politician or celebrity. No excuses, no regrets. Well, I don't – well – I, I am political. I, I'm a demigod, you know. That's okay. I possess more power than a whole herd of butterflies. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I answer. can even bend steel coat hangers with ease. <laughs> it comes in pretty handy when I lost my keys in my truck. <laughs> oh, yes. By the way, Mike, uh, are you... I'm just making fun of you. you know, that's, that's okay. Long, so. Yes. By the way, Mike, have you um, were ever a, a fan of alcohol? Were you ever a, a beer drinker or a wine drinker? No, Neither. never have been. I did. I kind of did it for a while, the social. 
Social booze. I never. Okay. I, I, I don't know if I ever. Well, I was. I was drunk once. I was drunk one time. Just I once. Was sick for three days, and I swore I was never going to do it again. I did, and I have it. That was a long time ago, though. You were just drunk once. Yeah. Mike, actually you, drunk once. <laughs> you, I've been yeah. tipsy a few times, but uh, actually uh, drunk once. Okay. Okay. I was going to say, Mike, you, you sound like you haven't lived. Oh, I've lived. But you've lived, yes. <laughs> I, I sure have. As soon as I I've said been all that. Over the place. I've been all over the world. I've done everything. As soon as the words were leaving my mouth, I thought, well, actually, he has lived. Mm-hmm. Probably I more sure so. Have. Probably more so than a lot of Americans out there. More so than a lot of people. A lot of people haven't had the the ability uh, that I have. You know, I've been, you know, Travis and I and my sister Dana, when they were married, uh, we went on a promotion tour for the movie Fire in the Sky, and we went to Australia. We spent... Uh, two weeks down there. Oh, damn. They and took you to Australia. Yeah, in Australia. Wow. And I mean, other places, too, <laughs> Europe, all over the United States. I spent about, I don't know, close to a year doing that. But uh, And we paid pretty well for it. But in Australia, we were treated especially well. I don't know why. But uh, we had a hotel room. I had a room by myself, okay? Seven rooms. The whole the whole top part of a, of a huge hotel. The biggest one in uh, in, the, in that whole town. and. And we went to several towns, and it was always the biggest and best hotel. I don't know why. And we had an entourage. The people from Paramount were there. Well, we had an entourage just everywhere we went. But in, in, in Australia, it just seemed to be more more so. That is like, amazing. Three or four people. We had like five or six people, and they would take us to eat, and they'd take us shopping, and they they just couldn't be nice enough, you know. So you know, it was, it was the celebrity treatment. It really and was. It became a little bit too much for me. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I didn't didn't know what to do about it. You know, these hotel rooms. It's twelve hundred dollars a night. That's a lot of money. You know, Paramount just kind of did too much, in my opinion. My and, goodness, yes. I'm I'm glad you got that sort of treatment, though. It's very nice of them to uh, pay the tab like that. Well, it was a good experience. It just bothered me. You know, it bothered me that so much money and attention was spent. But yeah. I just couldn't see it. I mean, I I realized what we were doing, and we were there to do it, do something, and we did. But I know we did dozens of radio shows. We did well. We did dozens of TV shows, newspapers, everything you can imagine. Two weeks time, they made the use of us. But man, you know, my guy felt rather weird. You know, the way they treated us. Right. I, I would have to imagine it's a little unusual to get that sort of uh, five star treatment out of nowhere yeah. the way you did. Six star treatment. Ah, uh, yeah, like you were. Like a a regular Tom Cruise almost. Yeah, I don't think they could treat Tom Cruise any better. <laughs> I really don't. I don't know how they'd do it. <laughs> Amazing. But yeah, Mike, you know, one of the things I, I always have been asked here on the program was, when am I going to bring in uh, Travis Walton? And I've always said, you know, I don't really want to bother Travis whatsoever. I actually had the opportunity to uh, speak to him, but I didn't take the... I didn't take the opportunity because simply I didn't want to bother him at this conference that I was at. Yeah. You know, I wanted to leave him alone. Well, you know something? I haven't even told him about this thing about the Phoenix Lights. He knows that I saw it. I've told him that. You know, I told him that a long, long time ago. Right. But I didn't didn't make anything of it. I didn't tell him about the secret, you know. I didn't tell him any, any about that. Mm. Uh, because, you know, I'm not even sure how he's going to react now. I think that there's a good possibility that even though it's been 21 years, and even though the skeptics have backed off of us entirely, uh, almost entirely, uh, talking this way about the Phoenix Lights could have a, a bad influence on, on you know, yeah. fire in the sky. Right. 
a lot of people are very much sensitive about this because they believe in it so much. So anytime you say something that doesn't align with their views, they get very angry. And I know that firsthand because, Mike, doing the show, you know, I say a lot of things. And a lot of individuals out there get very mad at me. And, uh, you know, Uh, I I get death threats all the time. There's all, oh, really? Oh, yeah. There's all sorts of... I haven't of, had any of those yet. <laughs> uh, I'm not worried about that. I think it's a, I think it's kind of funny. Uh, but anyways, I, I understand lots of things that you say can really hurt someone, no doubt, mm-hmm. even when you're not trying to. And Well, you know, people have had 21 yeah. years to believe in this wholeheartedly. Right. And they've had every reason to. Peter Davenport has pushed it. Uh, Len Katay, Katay, I guess his name, pushes it. Every all of the UFO gurus push it, and the investigators or whatever they want to call themselves, they're all going for the same. And Tony Ortega, even though he's a good guy, I'm sure I don't know him personally, but but he says it was airplanes, and it came down the exact same path as, as the UFO came down. You know, thousands of people testified to that. The same map, the same exact path, right down to the T. And uh, <laughs> there wasn't anybody refuting this. But nobody believes in it anyway. You know, I don't know what Tony Ortega is going to say exactly. <laughs> Amazing. What he's going to say. Well, I'll tell you something. Uh, I, I I don't even want to say the words that I want to say right now. <laughs> I think you should. <laughs> well, I, I don't know how much swearing you'll take on the program. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this is hitting like, like a lead, like... Lead brick. <laughs> that way, uh, that's a very polite way of saying it, yes. And I agree and I fully understand. Mike, I, I do want to thank you for being a part of the program. We definitely are coming to a close here very soon, but I do want to thank you for reaching out to me a second time to be on the program. I really do enjoy our conversations. Furthermore, I would love to let you leave with any final statements, plug anything you'd like. Let the people know how to contact you. The floor is yours, Mike. Go ahead. Well, if you want to know what I'm talking about, read this uh, article. It's only nine pages long with illustrations, with images that explain it. You know, the um, wind maps, the wind graphs, uh, ground direction uh, chart, uh, uh, horizontal trajectory chart, everything. And uh, it's all there. If you want to know. And any questions the person would have about it, I've already gotten a lot of them. They can get me through this new website, which is not the one that I gave out before. Uh, it's uh, now, now it's simple. It's M H Rogers R O G E R S no D M H Rogers at gmail dot com. And um, there's still a few that I haven't answered yet, but I'm trying to get them all. Amazing. Well, once again, thank you so much for being a part of the program, Mike. You are always welcome here on the program. And, you know, I think, I think I'll even have you, if, if you'd like to do a sit in with me where I interview another prominent figure in the UFO world. And you could sit through the interview and ask anything you'd like, Mike, if you, if you want to do that, you're more than welcome to here on my show. Sure. Yeah, I'll do any of that. I, I like to say for years now, I haven't really done much of anything. I, I've done a few things, you know, but um, this, you know, your program is the first time this has ever set over the air, this particular concept. And I can say I'm hitting like a lead brick. I really, um, I, you know, a few people are, are capable of saying, well, 
it certainly seems to be a way to happen. <laughs> and, you know, we're talking believers. Right. So, <laughs> we'll see. You know, the future. It's going to get big. I mean, it is. it's going to have to be in a, a major newspaper and so on. And things are going to get pretty hot, you know. I'm ready for it, Mike. This might be against the the Phoenix, Phoenix Lights, which is the biggest thing that's ever happened in ufology. But, you know, if that's the way it is, well, it is the way it is. And, and, and that's the way people should take it. Sometimes people need a kick in the head, Mike. Can happen. Well, there's a good reason why I waited 21 years. Oh, yes. And, <laughs> and then it took some goading. And that first interview was a proverbial kick in the head for many. Just yeah, like this one tonight. And I'm so glad you could be here, Mike. Of course, ladies and gentlemen, I do want you all to give a hand if you are out there listening. A standing ovation to our guest here, Mr. <laughs> Mike Rogers. Definitely bringing down the house here tonight. Definitely want to thank you again for being a part of the program. And we'll touch base with you in the near future, my friend. Sounds good. All right, Mike. Mahalo and take care of yourself. You'll hear from me soon. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And there he goes, Mr. Mike Rogers, an amazing guest and individual. Really do like Mike Rogers so much. Definitely email him if you have any questions or concerns about what you heard tonight. He'll definitely take you up on that. And coming up next, another soul will join us here, and we will get into a very, very dire segment of the Unpopular Opinion Hour. Stay tuned. In five, three. That's tomorrow, and that is it. Again, five, four. That's tomorrow, and that is it for us today. And we will leave you with a, I can't do it. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll do it live. Do it live. I can, I'll write it, and we'll do it live. And welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. Joining me now will be a second soul, Michelle Guild. Let's bring her on. Michelle, is that you? Michelle, what's going on? Oh, I'm just so excited to be here. Oh, my God. All sorts of things went off there. Um, Yeah. How was that? I have no idea, but that was very scary. (laughs) But how are you, and did you enjoy the first half of the program? I know you were able to uh, listen in here. Yeah, um, I'm I'm honored to share the stage with Mr. Mike Rogers. His story is incredible. Did you like that? That was amazing. It was, truly. I know you didn't expect that. I, I I know you for sure didn't expect that, especially on this program. Who on earth would have thought you'd be here? <laughs> you know, I actually had an extraterrestrial experience myself the other day. Did you really? Tell me about it. I, I truly did. And this may sound like I'm joking, but I'm totally not. I was leaving work one day, and it was kind of hazy out. And I never really look up at the sky for some reason, I noticed that that day, but I did happen to see like three faint lights like chasing each other in a circle. And then a fourth light came in and you may not believe that, but I did record it. So I have video evidence of this happening. Oh, wow. <laughs> what do you think amazing. about that? Well, have you heard of anything like that? Uh, well, I, I haven't heard your experience before. I didn't even know you saw anything. It was, it literally just happened like Thursday. Yeah, that is pretty trippy. And of course, for those that don't know, Michelle is a radio personality and a host of her own show, the Welcome to My Show podcast. That is correct. Right. 
And of course, I do want to thank you very much for spending some of your time with us here. I know it's kind of late where you're at. Oh, yeah, it is. But that's okay, because I'm super happy to be here. So thank you for inviting me. Yeah, no problem. So, of course, I think it's safe to say everything is fine on your side of heaven. Oh, absolutely. Amazing. I'm truly glad you can be here, of course. And I, I like your show. You do a good job. It's very funny. I think it's interesting. Thank you. Yeah, you do a great job. And, of course, I, I happen to randomly find your program through some sort of a Facebook um a group thing that, to be honest with you, I didn't even know I was a part of. Yeah, that's kind of how I stumbled upon it, too. Just it happened. It really did, and I'm glad it did because I really did want to invite you on this very special segment of the program called the Unpopular Opinion Hour, which, of course, ah. yeah, it's a very popular segment here on the program, and it's a very... You know, it's very naughty. It gets very, very dirty here when we go oh. into this. Yes, it's very offensive. Some people will Good. not be able to handle it. And, well, that's just what happens here. And mm -hmm. for those that are new, definitely this is the right time to check out of the program if you are easily offended. Because you are going to be offended once we really do get into that sort of thing. And of course, is that I, the goal? That is the goal, actually. That's very true. But okay, I, good. I do have to ask you a little bit about your show before we get into the meat and potatoes of all this. I am curious how you got interested in podcasting and being a radio personality that you are. Oh, sure. Um, well, I did have a podcast that started back in January, and that was with a cousin and a friend. But it sort of failed after 20 episodes because there was like a, a fight amongst co-hosts. And so I started my own out of revenge. And that's why it's called Welcome to My Show because <laughs> my show is all for me. And so I can do whatever I want and I don't have to listen to anyone else's crap. Amazing. Isn't that amazing when you're able to have that sort of freedom and you break away from someone who holds you down? Dead weight. Exactly. And I feel so free. It's so great. And then I also have another podcast that I don't know if you are aware of, but it's called Impedcast. And it's kind of just like a goof on recording audio in non-audio friendly environments, such as on roller coasters. And yesterday we recorded one in a haunted house. And that's fun. Tell me more about this haunted house since we are coming very close to Halloween. I, I think this is interesting, especially for those out there. Yeah, what, unfortunately, was like? it was one of those set-up haunted houses. It wasn't oh, like a God. murderer house. Oh, you know? no. You should have just lied to me. I could have, <laughs> and I should have. But I appreciate your better uh, yeah. audio. <laughs> I do appreciate your honesty, though. But it is a little, yeah. little um, strange that you would record one, a show there. But then again, that does sound kind of fun. Oh, absolutely. And it's kind of just the whole gimmick of the show is where we just go someplace where it's kind of loud happening around us. There was a lot of screaming yesterday, for example. So that was nice for the audio. Oh, oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's one thing that I have been asked in the past. There is a smoke shop here in my city, and they want me to do live shows from there and talk to different musicians and all that jazz. 
But I told them, you, you really have to have a strong internet connection in order for me to do a live broadcast from there. Oh, right. Yeah, I don't want to do some sort of pre-recorded show. Yeah, all mine are pre-recorded, though, so I'm not the right person to, you know, have a discussion oh, I understand. about what's better. No doubt. You're definitely still doing the whole pre-record thing, which is fine. Don't get me wrong. But once you start doing shows that are live, that's when all hell breaks loose. And it's a great time because you never know what's going to happen. For instance. Oh, exactly. Yeah, I I like that. I like that element of not knowing. For instance, just doing uh, the intro of the show, the server for the broadcast here was dropping in and out even before doing the intro. And I noticed that. Yeah, my intro just got botched terribly because of it, but you still roll on. You still got to keep the program rolling, and that's what's so much fun. The yeah. El- the element that everything could just go to crap and uh, a drop of a dime, and you have to learn it's how. Exciting. It is very exciting. You have to learn how to balance that and get yourself back on the proverbial bike, per se. Yes. Trust me. Indeed. One day you will be doing it too. I have a feeling. I hope so. I think that'd be fun. I, I do live radio occasionally about once a week every so often with my friend's radio show, which is live. So we do have some malfunctions that we have to work through, which is really exciting. It really is. It really is. I, I, again, I can't say it enough how much I like the whole live element the element of surprise and the fact that everything just goes wrong. That happens so often here, but you got to keep the ball yeah. moving. But Michelle, I, I must ask, was there any show that you liked that influenced you enough to want to do a show of your own? Um, there was, I think everyone's aware of, a lot of people are aware of my brother, my brother and me. Do you listen to them? I can't say that I do, but I think I vaguely know that program somehow. Yeah, it's a, it's a comedy advice show. Exactly. I was going to say it's a comedy show, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. That was, like, really the only podcast that I started listening to that I got really into. And so our first show, the one with my cousin that exploded, that one was, I mean, exploded in a bad way, not in, like, a got really big, but it was a comedy advice show. So we just stole that idea and rolled with it, made it our own. Very cool. And if you yeah. were, if you were listening to the first half of the program, I had said that I, I got death threats and all these weird things. And that reminded me on your show, you actually had a very strange encounter with an individual out there. Oh yeah. That's still going on. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Please tell me about that. Yes. So this actually is someone that was in that same group on Facebook where we met and he was looking for advice on starting a podcast and looking for a co-host for his podcast. And I listened to his first episode of his show. It was absolute garbage. It was basically just him talking about the show that didn't exist and then talking about what he's going to talk about and then never touching on that subject again. So it was just really terrible. And so I thought it would be funny to reach out and say, yeah, I'll be your co-host. So he obviously thought I was serious because I, you know, tried to sound serious. And it kind of spiraled out of control from there. He lives in Nigeria. I thought he was from Zimbabwe. No, Nigeria. (laughs) Nigeria, okay. Yes. So he's in Nigeria currently, but he longs to live in America with me, apparently. 
So he's been, lately, he's been begging for me to help him get to America. That's oh kind of his God. last little trick to try to get into my home, I guess. I don't know. Lord. But it, it all started because when we were talking about planning me being his co-host, me jokingly, but him serious, he ended up just telling me that he was falling falling or feeling great things for me and that he was madly in love with me and he just gave off those really creepy vibes but I still was kind of like this is really funny I'm gonna just keep going with it to like push his buttons because he's obviously crazy and uh yeah I just kind of went from there and now he's he's asking for money that's his new thing so he's asking you for money now oh yeah wow yeah but he, he only started asking for money after he told me that he quit his job. So that's nice that he wants other people to support him without actually having to work. <laughs> that is, I thought it was nice of him. That is atrocious. And it seems, oh, it yeah. seems like you really picked up a real fatal attraction here. Yeah, I think I'm falling in love. You think you're falling in love? <laughs> just, oh, just yeah. count your, uh, <laughs> just count on your lucky stars that this gentleman doesn't live uh, near you. Yes, and I hope he never finds me. Yeah, this guy has some rather odd characteristics about him. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad that he's not near you. That guy definitely seems like he's not all there. I, I saw some of the things that he was posting, too. That was, uh, yeah, did that any, was fun. Anything stick out to you? Did one thing? The whole thing did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what drew, what drew me to him. Um, but only because I like crazy and I like I like stepping over the boundaries that I should probably step. I like going too far. You like going far. That's how I'll put it. Yeah. Understood. Uh, well, that was a whole different kind of crazy. I'm not sure you were expecting. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, you, as a woman on the Internet, <laughs> you kind of grow to expect a certain amount of crazy. But it was it was a, it was a bit much even for a female on the internet. Of course, every female who posts a photo of themselves on there will acquire a stalker. That's just common sense. Right. We're asking for it really at that A lot point. of a lot of women don't think of it that way. They think it's okay and it's perfectly fine, which it is. However, other people mm-hmm. out there they don't take it that way. Right. Yeah. And then they have all these weird stalkers looming around them. And then they start to complain about it when, in fact, it's them who's encouraging it constantly. Just by being. Just by doing that nonstop. Yet they get angry once something happens. And it's kind of like, well, what do you expect? Yeah, you're a lady. What are you, what are you even doing on the Internet? Got to be careful. <laughs> Got to be careful. Men are, are creeps. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Most of us are. I, I have to be honest here, and I defend all men out there. I will fight for men. Don't worry. I got your back. But I do have to be a realist here and say there's lots of men who are just really creepy. And it goes back to the time when I was in high school, and I would be hanging out with my friends, and a group of girls would come around. And, of course, all the guys there would just completely filter up. And it was very odd that they would not be themselves. They would put on this fake front, per se, uh, just to talk to these girls. I I never really liked that sort of quality in a man or a guy. I, I really don't like that sort of thing. I always made fun of guys That's that good. would change. What's that? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you have that take on it, that you, you don't understand 
or like that behavior. I don't. I think it's gross. Yeah, it is disgusting. I say be yeah, who you like- are, no matter how nasty and vile you are, just be you. Don't right. don't put up this fake perception of who you are. Just just be you. Agreed. Yeah, and of course I've made the mistake of not being me quite a few times on several different dates because I knew it was not going to go well. You know, I would, mm, I would yeah. remove the filter and purposely just self-destruct, and it would be amazing because I would find lots of humor and some of the things that I shouldn't be saying because it was so funny to get that reaction from the people that weren't expecting it. And, Michelle, I think you know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, yeah, I mean, we've all been there. You know what's either, up. Either make it a good date or make it a good story. Oh, yeah. got to know how <laughs> to really just tear it down and be right. just awful. And, and then you'll have a great story to tell. I love being awful. Me too. That's what I was telling the other guests as well, that sometimes it's just <laughs> it's better to sort of be sort of snarky, sort of a little little mean at times. It's It's so much fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. But then, of course, you have to be nice again and, you know, win them back. That's, of course, what I do. I try my best to win back someone that I really just, I know, com- I, I completely ruined their day. And you try to win them back like a stand-up comic would. Oh, right. <laughs> I've done that. Like so- they're your heckler. Oh, yeah. I've done that so many times in all sorts of places. And sometimes I think of myself as a failed comedian. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, because, you know, I did a couple open mic nights before. Lots of people don't even know that. I love, oh, I didn't know that. I love comedy, and somehow I ended up doing this instead. But I love stand-up comedy so much. I come from that world. You should have a, you should have a comedy segment in your show. Well, this whole program is comedy. <laughs> well, not to some people. Not to a lot of people, but a lot of this program is satire. Uh, my intro, for instance, that is very satirical. Right. A lot of people don't but, realize you know, it, though. You have the serious guests talking about their serious subject matter, and then the serious listeners listening in and agreeing or disagreeing and giving their opinions, and it's great. I'm glad you understand the formula here, because many people don't. You are wise, and you understand what goes on here, and this is an entertainment program. Don't mm-hmm. get it twisted, folks. But, yeah, I do love getting that vital information because this is a very serious show. However, I like to have fun. I don't like to be like the rest of those out there who do a program like mine. I find a lot of them to be very pretentious. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't like that. I think it's gross. I don't even have an ego. And lots of people have alluded to that. And I think you're kind of an idiot. You definitely don't listen to the show very closely then because the ego yeah, those are hard is to listen to. it really is it's very nasty and of course going back more on the subject of you here michelle since you are the guest i wanted to ask you a little bit about your halloween costume and if you have figured that out yet uh well i haven't but i had the idea that i i know we discussed briefly that i would be Gordon Mason Ramsay, which is, of course, a cross between Gordon Ramsay and Mason Ramsay, who is the Walmart yodeling kid. Right. You're, um, you're familiar of the Walmart yodeling boy, correct? I am. I'm just kind of uh, taken back that that's what you would want to be for Halloween. It's pretty funny. But that's the point. Well, 
I don't, I'm not going to actually do it because I don't want people to ask me to yodel on command. Are you sure they're even going to know? They certainly won't, but if I explain it to them, then they, they would know. Amazing. It's a bad situation. I don't want to get myself in. I understand. And of course, you are a big fan of the chef, Gordon Ramsay. Oh, huge fan. Huge fan. He's pretty funny. Oh, he's great. Yeah, I, I had a... He does, he does like amazing things other than just his shows. He like volunteers and goes into prisons and teaches prisoners how to cook and hires them in his restaurants. He does that. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, he does all sorts of stuff like oh, that. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, that's very kind of him. I know. He's a great dude. He is a great dude. I didn't know he was like that. I thought he was yeah, another... very admirable. Yeah, that is. That's very respectable that he would even do that. It's very kind of him to do anything like that, he, you know, because he doesn't really have to do that. Oh, absolutely not. He's not like that Anthony Bourdain. Too soon, man. I, well, I don't really give a shit here. But he's not like Anthony Bourdain at all, who is a beta male, in my opinion. But that's just my opinion. And I got a lot of, uh, a lot of hate mail when I said that, actually. I was kind of surprised. You were surprised that you got hate mail? People love Anthony Bourdain. Well, I know. That's why I said it. Uh, well, I know. Of course. That's kind of the thing. Of yeah. course. I'm waiting to get me too'd. I need the press. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm so awful, but of course we, I'm looking at the time here and I think it is that time of uh, Michelle that you help me usher in the unpopular opinion hour. Oh yes. Are you ready for Let's that? Dive in. Oh, I'm so ready. Are you excited? I mean, I, I can barely, I, I, I am so excited. I'm just stumbling over my words. I love doing this. This is. I'm not familiar with this. I'm really excited that this is my first experience. Oh my God. It's it's going to be amazing. I'm so glad and happy that I finally get to do this segment. This has always been my favorite segment on earth. And my god, here here it goes. Okay. Oh. You you have to uh, play this kind of music here once we get into the unpopular opinion hour because things are oh, wow. things are going to get wild here. And of course, here we are boys and girls. I can't believe it's actually happening. Can it be true? And yeah, it's it's pretty goddamn true. It's going down, ladies and gentlemen. Here we are again on another segment of the Unpopular Opinion Hour. And Michelle, you're here to usher in that that great tradition. I should be more honored. Oh, it's going to be amazing. And of course, the safety nets go bye bye now. And if you are someone with a weak heart, someone who is easily offended, this is the right time to check out from the program. This is a segment that I once did, and now it, it it certainly has become one of the most popular segments in history, even <laughs> even more popular than any guest on this program. I can't wait. <laughs> My God, I can't wait either. And, of course, everyone out there can join in on the fun here. Don't be afraid. You are more than welcome to come in here and get everything off your chest. Do not hold back. All is fair. Game. Even Even myself. You could even call in and trash me. It's all fine and dandy. And you can trash me too. Yeah, you could trash Michelle. She's here. She likes a good trashing. I am trash. She is trashy. So come on in. Don't be shy. We don't bite too hard. Now let's get the party started here. You know, one of the things that I really hate, Michelle, is standing in line anywhere I'm at. I just hate standing in line. And the fact that certain people get very close to me, for whatever reason or purpose, Michelle, 
I'm not, I'm not exactly sure why they get so goddamn close to me. People get so close to me. I could literally feel them right, right, right in the back of my neck almost. I'm not exactly sure what justifies them to stand so damn close to, to my back here. It's very unusual Mm -hmm. and I'm perturbed by it. How do you feel about that, Michelle? Do you think that's BS? No, I, I completely agree with you. I think there's a lot of people who don't have personal boundary bubbles. Hey, baby. But also, I do maybe have an explanation for these people. Go ahead and say that. Yes. Um, hey, baby. I noticed Hold my mom, it's, she stands close to people. Your mom stands close to people? Yes. Why? And Why? not only that, but when she's in her car, she gets really close to them at stoplights and whatnot. Oh, so no. I'm like, I freak out on her when it's like icy out because she's going to slip into the car in front of her. And so she explained to me, she and my dad were in the Navy. And so, like, the rules that they go by are, like, heel-toe. And so I, people standing in line, they may be, like, ex-military or present military. Well, I mean, these individuals who stood behind me would never be mistaken for anyone who is in the military. It's always people that look like Tess Holiday that get very close to me. For hmm. those that don't know who that is, that's the super plus-size model. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, not only her. Probably not military. Yeah, definitely not military. I could tell by the lack of cardio. Um, but it's yeah, just no personal <laughs> boundary bubble for that one, I'd say. It's men and women who do this. And yeah. I, I believe we are joined by yet another soul here who I think might want to uh, give his unpopular opinion. Is that you, Yuck? <laughs> Why am I unpopular? Not you. I'm talking about an unpopular opinion that you might have. Oh, my opinion is unpopular. Well, maybe some of my opinions are unpopular, and we are doing a segment here. I heard I heard that I could call in and make fun of you, so I was like, fuck you, yeah, I'm doing it. Go ahead and <laughs> have fun. You could get anything off your chest. This is what the program is for, the segment. Uh, go ahead, the floor is yours. Man, I love you, fucker. I just want to join in on the fun. I cannot hear Michelle, though, from this, from over here, though. You can't hear me? Just so you know. That's weird. I, I could hear her loud and clear, which is very unusual, but. Can yeah. she hear me? She could hear you, I, I believe so. But yeah, did you, did you have anything to, uh, throw in there? Man, I'm throwing in everything in there. What do you want me to throw? I'm grabbing every, all of it, all well, the towels. Again, you, this you. is, uh, an unpopular opinion segment here. So I anything. Know, that's what I called in. Unpopular, man, I'm with you. Yeah, so go ahead. Do you have anything to throw in here? Yes. I, I I think Michael Deacon is unpopular because of the fucking pimple. He's got duty. Uh, it turned into an assist. It was on his left butt cheek. The first time I met him, he was like, hey, yuck, look at my butt cheek. I'm like, no. Then he told me it was a pimple and I could pop it. I was like, okay. And it's unpopular because I can't pop it. Amazing. I do want to thank you for calling in. There's someone else that wants to jump in here, but thank you for that, Yuck. Oh, man, I love you. I'll be listening. Thank love you, you too. Mahalo. Penis. And there he goes. And I believe oh, wow. that was amazing, right? Incredible. I know. I wasn't expecting that. But, of course, that's what goes on here on the live program. Hmm. And I believe there was someone else who was trying to jump in here. I can't find you now. But, of course, if you do, yeah, if you do want to jump in here, don't be afraid. It's just me and Michelle having a great time. We're going to give a few people a good trash in here. And, of course, Michelle just revealed that her mother is actually someone that 
I would get very angry with because she was standing oh, so yes, close I to me. Oh, yes, I get very angry with her, too. And and it's not good to have anger in your heart, but if your mother stood next to me that close, I would be kind of angry. <laughs> I wouldn't expect anything less. Amen. And, of course, your mother, has she been very receptive towards uh, the radio and the podcast? Because I, I I have a feeling she's probably heard it a couple times, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Hey. She's... You know, she's my best friend and my biggest fan. Amazing. Yeah, my dad actually really likes the program, which I think is very strange. But then again, I think anyone who likes the program is very strange. And caller, you are on the line. What's going on? Did you have a unpopular opinion? No, I just wanted to say hi to Yuck. (laughs) Well, (laughs) he's gone now. He's gone now. Oh, too bad. No unpopular Uh, opinion. I just dropped a link to... uh, the song Don't Stand So Close to Me in your Skype. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. That's such a good song and um, so relatable to this topic. Um, the police, yes. Yes. Uh, and I was just going to talk about people standing in line too close to you. Yeah, I don't like that. It's very unusual and it makes me very uncomfortable and I don't like it. A lot of people seem to feel that it's perfectly fine to do this, but I think it's very impolite and very rude. Some people need that personal space. I myself am one of them. I don't want to feel your breath anywhere near the back of my neck. Absolutely. Amen. And another thing is um, trying to stir up and divide people from something that's common interest. Or different forums where people who are friends are on both forums and someone doesn't like that, so they get in there with their innuendo and their snarky-isms and try to split them up to dislike each other. And with some of us, it ain't going to happen. I'll go to whatever forum I want to. I'll keep the friends that I like and... Don't try to set me against my friends because it ain't going to happen. You know what I'm talking about. Amazing. I do. And, yes. Star, I, I, have to, I have to ask you, do you let things you read online bother you on a personal level? Sometimes there's that initial angst. And I just have to pull back for a second and regroup, do a little meditation, and... uh Usually I'm good to go. Sometimes I get inspired to come back with something funny. And I I don't like hurting people. But sometimes the path is left open for some really good humor, and it could be taken the wrong way. But that's not me. It's up to the person reading it. So, But it's always in good humor. I, I I'm not into hurting people. Of course, no one really is, for sure. you got to twist the puppy tail to get its attention. And once you get its attention, you throw it a doggy bone and start having fun. I agree. I should have said doggy bone. That's (laughs) taken the wrong way. That's okay. I understand. A doggy treat. But, of course, (laughs) you have to pick and choose what messes with your emotions and not Mm -hmm. take everything so... Uh, seriously, in a way. And exactly. Yeah, you shouldn't let things like that bother you. Never let just text and words and opinions 
bother you, bother your psyche. You should never let it get to that level. No. Uh, that's no. why. Sometimes, uh-huh, sometimes the innuendos are targeted at a specific area that that person knows may hurt. And that's where you have to kind of put a shell over it or a shield. And that's kind of, in a way, that's kind of <clears throat> the inner self saying this is where you need to get some healing done. So someone throws darts at that part of you or your personality or things that bother you. You can heal it so there's no target there anymore. Understood. I get that. But then at times you have to realize if you don't want to be made fun of, you don't put ammunition out there for those to use against you. Exactly. That's what the healing is about. So Understood. So but there's there's no target. But what so I'm trying to say is what ammunition they use, it won't work. Right. What I'm saying is if you are on the internet and Michelle, I think you you could agree with me here, you sort of have mm-hmm. to develop a bit of a backbone and not let certain oh, things yeah. bother you. A backbone and a thick skin. Right. Backbone and a thick skin. That's very true. Uh, anything you want to add to the segment here, Star? Uh, no, you just said people pop in and throw out whatever, and I just threw out whatever. Amazing. Thank you so much for that. And we're going to continue with the segment here, and I do want to thank you for giving your opinion, because that's what the program is. Everyone is entitled to their opinion, and we'd love to hear it. Well, you're quite welcome, Mike. And you have a good evening, too, Michelle. Thank you. She said thank you. You're welcome. Amazing. Take care, Mike. Good night. Good night. And there she goes. That was amazing. And, yeah, you know, I know exactly what she's talking about, and she's alluding to uh, trolling. And you definitely have to learn to take that sort of thing, especially if you throw yourself out there. Right, Michelle? You have to take the criticism and go with it. Yes, or or just ignore everything that they said and just, you know, blast them even harder. That's another point. Yeah, that's another thing to do. That's another way of looking at it for sure. And yeah, just be super aggressive and then you're satisfied. Right. And this goes back to another thing that I really dislike is the amount of podcasters out there that sound so much alike. And I think that attributes to the fact that many of them perhaps searched various search engines and they all came to some of the same websites because they all ended up buying the same sort of equipment. Mm, Yeah. Can you agree with that? Do you disagree with that? No, I can agree with that. I don't know a ton about, you know, a bunch of podcasts or podcasters, but I definitely see that. But you, you notice that formula, though, right, that a lot of these people have. Yeah. It's kind of weird, right? They all kind of follow in line with this sort of um, old formula, the the ones who check on Amazon for what is best sold. <laughs> right, because I'm sure, you know, a starting podcaster would just go to Amazon and type in podcasting equipment and then just buy the first thing that shows up on Prime. Correct. That two-day shipping. Yeah, and I'm with you on that, and I made that mistake myself. But mm-hmm. one of the best pieces of, it, of advice I could give someone that wants to do a show, don't listen to anyone else, especially if they have a show. Don't listen to them. Listen to people who make music or create music, rather, and follow what they say about certain equipment. Uh, you want to go to websites on, on that sort of thing, those who produce primarily things on, uh, on uh, music, per se. 
It, you'd be better yeah, suited going that route. Yeah, they need a higher quality anyways. Exactly, and that's one of the things I've noticed. So many shows out there, the quality is, is just so lower level, and it makes the show lower talent in that in that essence. Yeah. Awful. And, Michelle, you don't actually have that sort of issue, I noticed. Your show actually sounds pretty damn good. Oh, hey, thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am pretty good. good, huh? Well, yeah, it sounds sounds good. It doesn't sound... Uh, as awful as some of the shows I've heard out there, the quality is actually pretty good. And of course, again, sound is something that my autism certainly kicks in. I don't have autism, but the autistic side of me, let's pretend, just kicks in here. And it's like I, I could almost sense and see the sonic signature in my head of what the microphone is producing. And it seems like there's a certain uh, archetype of uh, people that really do cross into this sort of um, this sort of field here, and it's very unusual. And of course, as you go along, you'll pick up on this, Michelle. And I think you already have of uh, the same formula, the same format, the same even kind of voices are even heard. It's very unusual to say the least. Do you agree with that? I can see where you're coming from on that. Yeah, definitely. Amen. And my last victim was a podcaster. It was uh, truly amazing. A guy got very angry with me, Michelle. And I, I was able to kill two birds with one stone without even knowing. It was the proverbial oh. double whammy. Yeah, what happened? Yeah, well, here's the thing. People complain about me and they can cry until the cows come, come home. But they are easily defeated. And there was a gentleman who owns this network hosted out of the U.K., and he's probably going to be very angry with me for bringing this up. But, well, that's just the way she goes. And he got very angry with me because I thought me and him were having a friendly conversation back and forth. And I thought it was an open conversation and I could say whatever I want, just like I'm doing here. But, no, that was not the case. He got very angry with me once he made the mistake of bringing up a show. And the thing is, I mixed up like two different shows, and I mixed up a few names, and I started trashing this guy, and I said that this guy, he basically sucked, and that he was lower talent, and he was a cardiomyopathy victim, and his show basically stunk on ice and had no following. And the thing is, I really I really screwed up, though, because I, I mis mistook him for a different individual, but upon further review and looking into this guy, I didn't even want to apologize. I, I didn't even want to apologize. I thought, just screw it. I'm not going to say I'm sorry. I'm just going to let the universe do what it does. And luckily for me, this what, what I was saying was actually relate to that person. And that's when I thought, wow, I'm killing two birds with one stone. That's good. And plus, you know, it's not even your responsibility to have to tell them that their, their show sucks. But it's nice of you to get that out there and not apologize because it sounds like once you did actually hear the show, then you were right about your opinion. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And I'm not exactly worried, but I did apologize to that guy in the UK that mm -hmm. runs my show on his network. I did say I was very sorry and I didn't mean to trigger him with any of my banter because it really wasn't my, um, my intention. I thought we were just having a normal conversation without filters, but I was wrong. Right. Yeah, you never really know when you're offending someone or making them angry, especially on the Internet via text. It's so easy to make people angry on the Internet. 
It really is. It really is. And and by the way, that guy went to social media and mentioned me. And of course, he said some really unusual things. He alluded to all these weird things and thought I had talked to talked about him on the air, when in fact I'd never mentioned him on the air until right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's another one of those NPC types that are running around spouting their verbal diarrhea. He's one mm-hmm. of those. Yeah, he's one of those people. The best kind of people. Well, so fun. Easy to mess with. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So onward we go uh, with the segment here. And Michelle, I think you could agree with me. I don't like celebrity worship. I'm not exactly sure why our society is so obsessed with celebrities. I really could care less. And I really don't have a problem going after it, after them here on this program, uh, especially if people on Fox News. I don't exactly see myself ever being on the show, even though I talk a lot about politics and I could talk about politics all day long till the cows come home, but I would never be on Red Eye at 2 a.m., so I'm more than glad to trash Fox News here. Oh, sure. I hate Fox News. Awful, right? I hate right? all news, but specifically I hate Fox News. They they stink, don't they? Oh, so smelly. I really don't like that uh, Tucker Carlson too much. I like him, but then I don't like him. And the reason why I don't like him is because he he does this face when he talks to people, and it makes me lose it. I, I always laugh. And I know he's not purposely trying to be funny, but every time I see him, like, smile or do that weird lost look that he does, I lose my mind. I can't stop laughing. <laughs> well, they're also fake and flaky. Oh, big time. So, big time. Yeah, so you can't tell if they're being genuine or if they're just, like, uncomfortable or I don't know. I, I know what you mean, though. Well, yeah, a lot of these people take these gigs because they need the job. Lots of them don't right. always agree with some of the crap that they say, which is something that I always talk about here on the show, that lots of these anchors and TV personalities you see don't necessarily even believe some of the crap they say. Yeah, but they're getting paid, but they so get that they have money. to say it. They get that paper. Yeah. Amen. I know that hustle. And another person that I don't like is Amy Schumer. She stinks. Girl, I hate Amy Schumer. She stinks. The worst. Yeah. Okay. The worst. I don't like when female comedians base all of their comedy on the fact that they're a female comedian. I know. Isn't that so hacky? It's it's icky to listen to. I don't know. It's just not funny. Yeah, she's a hack, and so is that uh, Pete Davidson. Is he the he's the SNL guy? Yeah, he's the SNL guy. That's him. The one who looks like a duck. <laughs> yes. Yeah, That's I don't really I have an opinion on him, but I I don't really like SNL these days. So. so I'm with you on that one. They stopped being funny a long time ago. Yeah. What What's your beef on uh, Pete? Pete, I, I just think he's another one of those people that are not very good or very funny whatsoever. And mm-hmm. I just think he's kind of a hack, a very hacky comedian, uh, very much like Amy Schumer. But I don't think I've ever heard too many people referred to uh, Pete Davidson as a joke thief, unlike that that nasty Amy Schumer. Yeah, she she is nasty. My vagina. Yeah. See, I already yeah. did a what Amy else? Schumer joke. What there else, it is. Lady? What else you got? That was it. That that was the I whole. That was the whole uh, act there. Yeah. Well, it's hilarious, Amy. Let's let's not see more. Ugh. But yeah, I I definitely have a 
great, a great disdain for a lot of these people. And it's just awkward. Uh, Pete Davidson, he has that face that you just want to punch for some reason. Mm-hmm. I don't Super know why. punchable. He, really, right? You just kind of want to punch him in the face or you just want to punch him in the throat. Mm-hmm. Either one is good. I agree. Oh, I'm glad you agree. You know what, though? With, like, with like the hacky comedians, there's a lot of them on SNL right now, I think. There's too many. And I don't even I know most how. most of them are. Most of them are. They're very hacky. And they need to get better writers. I mean, the program just stinks. And it's been that way for such a long time now. I know. It's sad. It is sad. It used to be such a staple in my Saturday nights. They should uh, unban Chevy Chase. He's banned? Yeah, he's been banned for a long-ass time. Why? What did he do? What didn't he do? (laughs) I don't know. I didn't know about this. I'm not up on anything. I don't know anything. Oh, yeah, well, he was just kind of an a-hole for so many years behind the scenes over at SNL that he's someone who actually got banned. Oh, no. I, I liked know. him. Now you ruined him for me. I, well, I didn't mean to. I'll but... never watch Christmas Vacation again. Oh, no. But, yeah, that's one of the sad realities is that Chevy uh, Chase, he's not a very likable guy whatsoever. He was, a, he was yeah. kind of a dick for a very long time. And it's caught up with it's caught up with him, uh, to be honest with you, because now he can't find work. Good, I guess. I don't know if that's good, yeah. but I mean, I well, think, I mean, if he doesn't deserve it. Well, you know, that's the thing. Uh, let me ask you about an, another comedian, uh, Louis C.K. How do you feel about him? I love him. You love him, and did any of those things bother you whatsoever? Some of the things that he got in trouble for. Yeah, it bothered me when I initially heard about it, but you know, I'm I'm a person who right. generally is able to separate the art from the artist. Did, did the same thing with Bill Cosby. Still would say the Cosby Show is one of my favorite shows of all time. Bill Cosby. Still go on. I said Bill Cosby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I would still like go back and watch old stand of Louis and not feel uncomfortable or anything because it's just enjoyable content. And I agree with you there. I'm not at all offended, obviously, with any of that because I think from what I heard, this had happened with the two women before. Mm -hmm. But I think that's what happened. Maybe I'm wrong about that. But the fact that this was going on for so long and that's kind of what he was known for, to sort of pull that sort of rib on, on, on female comics... It's it's very unusual that that happened to him. But, hey, that's the kind of society that we live in today. You have to be extra careful. And, again, I'm not trying to say what he did was appropriate because it really wasn't. That's not really not something. Yeah, that's really something you shouldn't be doing. It's unfortunate that he did that. It's unfortunate that he thought that that was okay because it definitely ruined him in a lot of ways. Right. Right. It, it did really ruin his it career. also ruined the girls in a lot of ways, too. But, think, but like, just talking about Louie, totally ruined his career. It really did, right? Yeah. Yeah, it really screwed up his career. Now a lot of people are uh, very angry. Right. Yeah, but then again... As they, I, I, as they should be and have every right to be. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody wants to have you masturbate in front of them. No, not unless you specifically ask for it. Yeah, exactly. Which, which rarely happens. It's rare Jesus. that anyone asks for that specifically. That is insane, though. Even as a guy, I'd be kind of uncomfortable doing that. Yeah, right? 
Yeah, even if it's a, like a girl that I'm with for a long time and she's just like, start masturbating right now, Michael, I, I would be like, what? What do you yeah, mean? super weird. Yeah, you can't put me on the spot like that. I'd be confused. I've never asked anyone to masturbate in front of me, and I probably never will. You probably shouldn't. No. My God. Uh, all right. Well, there's another thing that I, I don't like down here. Um, I really hate some of the local rappers here in my local area. Believe it or not, there's some people that want to believe that they're going to make it, especially where oh, I yeah. live. Oh, yeah. What's in your area? Oh, yeah. There's a lot of uh, local rappers. It's very strange. Yeah. I mean, those are everywhere, but I bet you're probably in a pretty condensed region of the United States where there's a lot of people trying to make it big. Really? Well, I'm saying you probably are in California. Right. Like, That's why I said yeah. really. There, there really is. Oh yeah, yeah. Lots of uh, folks. And like not even just rapping or singing, but acting. That's got to be annoying. Oh God, yeah. Really is. It's it's awful. And I'm looking at the chat room here, and some of uh, the regulars don't understand that this is a segment that you have to contribute to the segment of of an unpopular opinion. You just can't call in here and say something like. You want to talk. Um, that's not exactly what the segment's for. It's to have an right. unpopular opinion, something you don't like, to get off your chest. Um, that's what we're doing. This isn't just a call in and talk to me or the guest hour. You have to actually join in and throw your two cents in there. I guess some people Here, forgot how example? a segment works. What's that? Can I give an example of, of sure. uh, an unpopular opinion? Yeah, ring, yeah, ring, go ring. Ahead. I'm calling in. I'm a caller. Do it. Hi. Hi, Go Michael. Ahead. Go um, ahead, I have an unpopular opinion for the show. Um, I think ground beef is icky. See, there you go. Was that hard? What do you think about ground beef? Do you think it's icky, too? I mean, if I eat a lot of it, I think um, it will make me go to the restroom a lot. <laughs> Ew! Can't do that, yeah. I don't like thinking about eating a lot of ground beef. That's gross. It is really gross. and and um, I really do hate ground beef. I just need to get that off my chest. Are you like a vegan? I'm not a vegan. I just don't like ground beef. You just don't like ground beef. Okay. I'm with you on that. I understand. The texture. Right. Right. And another... I just needed you to know that, okay? I know that, yes. And I'm with you. That is very gross. Very, very gross. And another unpopular opinion I have is the fact that I kind of don't really want kids. And I really don't oh. like... I really don't even like kids too much. They seem to really love me, but I don't really love yeah, them back. nasty. I really don't, I don't want those <laughs> I really don't love them back as much as they love me back. And um I'm not quite sure if you feel that way, Michelle, but that's always been my stance that I like my uncles and cousins, I like their kids, but I don't like um your kids out there. I one thousand percent agree with you on that. You're with it then. I'm just gonna I'm gonna say to all your listeners right now, um just all your listeners in general right now. I don't like your children. Keep them away from me. They're sticky. Agreed. And, of course, I know a lot of people with kids, and they're always telling me, oh, my kid got me sick. I'm I'm just so glad I don't have to deal with that issue. Yeah, your kid got you sick because kids are gross. I'm not going to argue with that. <laughs> not going to argue with that. Definitely Once you have a kid, you're that. basically begging to be sick all the time. Exactly. You're basically... On your hands and knees, wanting to get sick. Right. I'm not with it. No, no I'm not, thanks. I'm not, not for down. Me. Yeah, that's not my mission. I really don't want no. to go down that route. 
Now, there's another yeah, thing. That's a good unpopular opinion because that's, you know, that's pretty unpopular. It really is because we live in a country where everyone wants you to have a kid. There's commercials and all sorts of uh, nonsense that really want to push <laughs> you into that, into that realm, especially where I live, Michelle. Um, lots of, lots of women out here, they get pregnant very early. Very, very damn early out here. It's very unusual. And a lot of these girls, they have friends out here. And a lot of them constantly are in communication through social media. And it's almost like they're in competition to have kids around the same time. It's really weird. It really seems like that for me, too. Really? You You know, know you always see all your high school friends and they're all, you know, three kids deep. Ugh. Yuck. Yeah, I know. It's weird. Overpopulation is a problem. It's a real thing. Yeah. Stop breeding. We're going to run out of resources. It really is. It it really is. And I have to tell you, I live uh, in basically what's considered a border town, even though I live Mm -hmm. about 10, 12 miles away from the Mexican border. And a lot of the girls out here, they all have kids at a very early age. It's like even if you see a girl and... You think, well, she's a very pretty girl. Next thing you know, you see her turn around and she's followed, followed by like three, four kids. You're like, holy crap. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's a regional thing because that's definitely the scene around here too. I don't like it. It's very nauseating. Yeah. I don't like that. Just more mouths to feed and not enough food. It really is. It really is. And also the fact that the media glorifies super plus size models. And I'm looking at you, Tess Holiday, and why promote a very unhealthy lifestyle? The fact that I can't express my opinion because it might offend you. Why can't I express my, my true self to disliking you or I guess hating on you? Why is that considered a hate speech? Why, why don't I have the right to tell you that I hate you? How's that wrong? Right. I don't believe in hate speech. I don't believe in in, in in either. It's just ridiculous. I don't believe that crap. It's just speech. It's just whatever you want. It really is. It's unusual, but that's the media. They, they glorify that sort of thing, and they really want to push down that PC culture, which is a culture that I definitely don't want to be a part of. I don't like the fact that I have to filter myself. When I talk to grown men and women. Oh, yeah. I understand that feeling. Yeah. I mean, especially now, it's like I have to talk to adults with uh, kid gloves on. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. I don't exactly know what happened to this country or why we're so limp-wristed out here. Why can't you just express yourself and not be around the men and women who want to act like children? Yeah. Well, I think that the trick is you can express yourself. And then you can just ignore anyone who says that you're expressing yourself wrong. Freedom of thought is just gone. Not sure why. Yeah. Not sure why. <laughs> but it is. It's gone. It's not yeah. something that you could have anymore. You are controlled by your friends, your family, social media. And I hope you're not like that, Michelle. I, I hope that you don't have friends who dictate your life. No, definitely not. I Very think uh, I just, you know, you can tune out anything you want, really. That's my my belief. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. I just don't like that, the whole plus-size model thing either. 
I'm not sure. If, what, what's wrong with plus size models? I, I don't like the fact that they come out on magazines uh, glorified because of that uh, unhealthy lifestyle. It's something that we seem to promote here. I, I don't, it makes no sense to me. There's no reason yeah. to try to put that sort of uh, thing uh, over. It's very unhealthy. I see what you mean. Yeah, because it's it is not unhealthy. Right. But on the on the other side, well, I guess it's not even really the other side. But when a majority of Americans look like that, is it so wrong to put one on the cover of a magazine? I don't think it's wrong, but I think the fact that we do it so much in a way where we're giving that individual a false sense of perception and reality, the the whole fact that you have to be very sensitive with these people, you give the false sense to a larger woman with a false perception, you over-inflate the ego, and that's when you have the whole, there you go, girl, you go girl attitude, I'm large, I'm beautiful type attitude, I'm curvy. And it's like, no, sister, you are a big mama. Like, uh, the, one yeah, of the, there's a difference between being obese <laughs> and being curvy. It's like, you're the size of a, of a big mama, like a, like a Perry Tyler movie. <laughs> no man finds and, that attractive. And if you are talking about that, that cover, I think it was of Cosmo. I don't know the name of the model, but if that's what you're right. talking about. Yeah, Tess Holiday. Um, that's her name. Oh, okay. So that is the cover model. Um, Correct. But I saw that picture, and it was totally, like, the worst part about anything in the media is that it's so airbrushed and so photoshopped. Oh, that, hell yeah. You know, if you saw, like, the original pictures of any of the models, you would not probably want to look at it in line at the supermarket. Not at all. Not at all. But the whole... I think that's the big issue. Yeah, it's just, it, it's too much. I just don't think that we should really put these people on a pedestal and overinflate their egos for whatever reason and continuing to put these really big plus size models on the cover of magazine is just sending the wrong message in my opinion it's just an opinion i know it's not a very popular one especially because nowadays it would be considered something like fat shaming but oh right but you know that that to me is just something silly i had i even had my parents at one time I guess would I guess it'd be considered fat shaming now, but at one time I was getting a little bit husky, you know, and my mom and dad started started you know busting me a bit there. They started busting my balls a bit. Oh yeah, I've been there. Yeah, so I mean, I, it's not nothing wrong. It's not fat shaming if someone tells you that, especially your family. You kind of have to take that sort of criticism and do something about it. Yeah, especially with your family, then obviously you know it's more about your health. Exactly. My opinion is that no one should ever be on the cover of any magazine. No pictures in any magazine ever. Just trouts and fish. I like the free that. Hunter's Hunter's Guide. That's <laughs> the only magazine that's available now. Yes. Welcome to my earth. <laughs> and of course, I, I can't leave out Ellen DeGeneres, or as I like to call her, Ellen Degenerate. Um, that's what I prefer. What I don't hate her. I just think she's kind of a cornball. She's kind of hacky. Um, but oh, well, yeah, I will, I mean, I'll say something positive, though. I'll be positive. I do give her credit, though. I mean, she's what, like 60 years old? Something like that. Yeah, she's got to be. As much as I dislike her and dislike her stupid dancing, I hope when I'm 60 years old, I'll still be able to dance and grind up on people like she does on her program. Yeah, me too. Well, That's maybe, a good goal. Well, maybe I won't be, you know, rubbing up on people. I don't want to get me too'd. 
But you know what? If they're into it, they <laughs> accept it. Go for it, man. Yeah. My God. My goodness. Yeah. You know, she was a good comedian, stand-up-wise. By the way, Have we... Have you seen her, Tomsey? By the way, hold that thought. We are getting another call here. Oh, yeah. And I think this is from, yeah, it is. Yuck, what's going on? Did you have something to add here? Yeah, I have a lot to add. Well, go ahead. Um, Five plus four is nine, right? I think so. <laughs> Fuck you, add to it. Can I sit here, uh, mess, m- 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 Michelle, or no? I don't think she could hear you. She can't hear me. Yeah, I don't. Oh, I, I can hear him. Can oh, you wait. hear me? You can hear each other now. Oh, can, he, can you hear me? Yep. God damn, man. How many fucking Skype things do you got? Uh, you're going to have to call in if you want to talk to her. Um, definitely call in on the... Hey, Michael, I just want to say I love you, man. Okay. I think about you when I go to bed. Like, for real, when I'm over here listening to, like, um, Dr. Monroe vibrations in, in my earphones, I think about you, Michael Deacon. Well, I don't blame you for that. I do. I don't blame myself either for that. I don't see nothing wrong with that. No, I don't. I don't think nothing's wrong with Max Paul being gay either. But it's okay. That's okay. He could be gay if he wants. God Dude. still loves him. Man, I told him. I told him it's amazing. It is amazing. It's a fuck amazing. Right? It's incredible that that he has gone that route. But that's okay. Yep. Everyone still loves him. Yep. This is a, a a great crowd of people that will support him if he wants to go down the route of being courageous. And even if he's not gay, I'll still hug him and fuck him. Of course, you could do all those things as long as you wear sunglasses. No, man, I'll just look him in the eyeball. Okay, well, then that's crossing a different line of territory. Hey, Michelle, I just want to say I love you. You're a good girl. I'm just one of Michael Deacon's um, um, fucked up fans. I short heroin in my in my butthole, <laughs> and I love you. Guys. Uh-huh. Did you hear him? Oh, sweet. Yes, he does that sort of thing where he puts, uh, you know, those chemicals up oh his God. rectum. It's very amazing. Right now in Los Angeles, I just met Max Paul at the motherfucking uh, Panda Express. He was there, and you should have seen the bitch he was with. And I was like, fuck, man, I just want to get home and listen to Michael Deacon and shoot my hair on. Amazing. Amazing, right? Of course. And, and I am looking at the clock here, Yuck. And we're gonna have to shut it down here. I know you gotta get me the fuck out of here again. I know. No, baby. I gotta, I gotta roll here. Look at the time. Man, I'm rolling. I'm rolling. I fucking shot thirty five fucking estrogens in my arm. I love you, baby. Love you too, yuck. All right, penis. All right, take care. And there he goes again. Wow. That he's, a, was, he's quite a character. He's a very amazing character indeed, and he he needs to be careful out there. Hopefully, he doesn't hurt himself too much. With the whole uh, anal thing, I, I know that could hurt. I'm worried about him a lot. Me too. It could be very dangerous. And, of course, we were talking about Ellen DeGeneres. I just, I don't hate her. I just dislike her. That's fair. You can dislike whoever you want to dislike. Yeah, it's my God-given right. And she's just someone yeah. I dislike. And, by the way, I'm not I'm not um, a religious person. I'm actually an agnostic atheist. But I like using the God word a lot. Me too. Yeah, the the God word's awesome. God, I use it all the time. Me too. I tell people I'm praying for them too. Oh, I love that one. They get really mad yeah. when you say that. Yeah. I'm I had a pastor. I had a really mean pastor who hated me when I was a kid, and he told me that I wasn't allowed to say bless you to people. Oh wow. 
Yeah, he was really mean to me. That, that was one uh, thing that stuck <laughs> with me. I still don't say bless you when people sneeze. Amazing. Well, Michelle, yeah. I, I do want to thank you very much for being a part of the program. It was fun to talk to you and watch you actually experience the Unpopular Opinion Hour segment. It's incredible that you were here and got to experience it firsthand. Yeah, it was a great time, and I'm I'm so thankful that you wanted me to be here for it. For sure. It was a great time, and again, I do want to thank you very much for being a part of the program. And go ahead and plug anything you'd like. Plug your show, plug a website, and uh, sure, sure, if you can, uh, leave us with a final word or two. Oh, sure. Um, well, I would, I would appreciate if anyone wanted to check out my podcast. It is called Welcome to My Show. It is a one-woman comedy show, and I do have guests occasionally, and it's kind of just a variety show. I do whatever I want because it's my show. It's in the title. And you can find that on iTunes, Google, really wherever you listen to podcasts. Again, welcome to my show. And you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash welcome to my show podcast. And, uh, yeah. No final words. That's about it. Final word? Um Hope everyone has a happy Halloween. Oh, that's very nice of you. I'm a nice gal. What can I say? For sure. Well, again, thank you so much for being a part of the program. And we'll touch base again in the very near future, Michelle. Absolutely. All right, Michelle. Thank you so much. Take care and mahalo. Mahalo to you. Bye-bye. Bye. And there she goes, Michelle Guild. That was amazing. I also want to give a special thank you. To the one and only Chuck out there who has been sending me exactly $4.20 every month through PayPal. I want to thank him tremendously for his great donation. I do appreciate it. That is amazing. And of course, if you want to donate to the program, go to michaeldeacon.com and on the right hand side of the show, or the right hand side of the page rather, you can donate to the show. Any amount you'd like, definitely click that little PayPal button there on the right-hand side and get it done. All donations go directly to paying the bills here behind the scenes. we got to pay for the server and, of course, get new equipment down the road. All donations go to that. And, of course, I want to thank all of you out there who tuned in. Very, very nice of you and, of course... The international listeners out there, the people in the UK, I really appreciate that. The listeners out in Canada and Australia. And of course, to my Germans out there, Guten Morgen. I know all of you are out there listening in here. Amazing. It really is. And again, I want to thank everyone who came into the chat room. Really, really cool. I do appreciate that. Thanks for hanging out with me on another amazing evening here. I'm Michael Deacon. Thanks for listening. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody. We got to put a best of on Drew. We're going to lose every station we have. A thing sucks. Who is your daddy and what does he do? End of day. The freedom of speech is being taken away. What did they do after they died? Uh, I, do you believe in heaven? I never did. I don't know why I did it after, but now I don't. End of days.
Judgment Day, the end of the world. If you don't,